0: i'm kyle and i'm trevor and welcome to catching up on cinema Uh, if you're not familiar with the program catching up on cinema is a film analysis podcast wherein myself and kyle take turns introducing each other to movies and uh in this way we catch up on our cinema um so this month uh, the month of march um we're doing a special event on the program uh something we seem to be doing with increasing regularity (laughs) um haven't officially decided on the title, but I think we're calling it Moving On March. Is yes. that right, Kyle? Yes. Uh, so, Kyle, tell the folks at home, what is Moving On March?
1: So, Moving On March is where we're going to be covering films of uh, actors or actresses who have recently passed away. Uh, we these are like, we try to find movies that we actually need to catch up on and uh one in particular uh I w- we probably would have done for this month uh for the actor we're doing today anton yelkin would have been a better choice was the green room um but since we already covered that we can't really throw it back into the mix uh, <laughs> uh and i would have liked to do alpha dog actually he has more to do an alpha dog but ultimately i don't think we're paying him enough respect by doing alpha dog um, <laughs> and star trek would have been too much fun um so we went with his final film, and I think this actually sat on the list for sat on the uh, shelf for a little while. I think it was like a couple of years this went in rotation. I think
0: I think a good solid two years, yeah.
1: Um, Thoroughbreds, which was actually released in 2017, um, after he of course had passed away. Um, yeah, we I don't know who we're picking out for the rest of the uh, month, but we thought since we recently talked about Anton, we should probably continue with Anton, and yeah, he's barely in this movie, um, and I'm. I think this was kind of both of our choices, but I think it was mine 6040 uh, for doing Anton. Um,
0: Yeah. I I think green room is kind of what gave rise to the whole concept of this month. Like Mm -hmm. moving on March is um, you had so much fun with green room. Mm -hmm. And then like, I think both of us had like developed a mutual appreciation for his performance in that in particular. I mean, I haven't seen too many of the, the guys movies, but I, I've noticed him in every performance he's given and I've appreciated it. And I feel, like, I feel like he's just that kind of actor. Where mm-hmm. It's like he's maybe not the reason you show up for the movie, but he's always going to show up. Mm-hmm. and He's always going to give you something good. Um, and yeah, uh, Green Room, I think we both really enjoyed it, you especially. Oh, yeah. Um, and this movie is one that I think, I don't know about you, but I caught a trailer for it uh, a while ago, long time ago. And it just had a nice look to it. Um, I liked the cast. I liked the concept. It seemed like, you know, a pitch black comedy that maybe I could get behind uh so I kept it in the back of my mind as something you know I'd like to check out someday uh so when you brought up moving on March and we were both you know having a lot of fun watching an Anton Yelchin movie we we're like we we're both like huh maybe we should check out that Thoroughbreds movie it is yeah. you know his last credited role so why not um so Thoroughbreds like you said came out in 2017 uh was apparently shot I believe in 2016 or 2015 mm-hmm. um it had, I think, multiple releases because it spent a long time in the film festival circuits. So yeah. uh, depending on your source, it'll either have a date of 2017 or 2018 as its official release date. Um, make of that what you will. I'm sure uh, Anton Yelchin's death could have complicated things as well sure. um, in terms of getting the thing out there. Um, but yeah, this is actually a, a feature film, like a directorial debut of the director, uh, Corey Finley. Um. For me personally I was pretty impressed. Um not not every feature debut can be, you know, the witch, or yeah. hereditary. Like this this is a very solid effort if you ask me. Um it's not gonna it's not like on the level of those films mm-hmm. um in terms of like directorial debuts, but for a first for a first time out, I was pretty impressed with this.
1: And this feels like an A twenty four film anyway. Like it feels like it should just be right in that
0: in that arsenal. It has that, uh, to quote the Joss Whedon, <laughs> Mr. <laughs> Joss Whedon, it has texture to yes. it. It has, it has a texture to it. And I noticed like 824 movies have that quality to them. Mm-hmm. It has a fine, oaky texture. <laughs> 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 um, but yeah... Uh, th- Kyle, do you have a plot summary ready for this movie?
1: Oh, yeah. i like to read it from uh, IMDb, uh, just so we can get... uh, This is what I read before I watch the movie, so I get an idea of what I'm getting myself into. Uh, Two upper-class teenage girls in suburban Connecticut rekindle their unlikely friendship after years of growing apart. Together they hatch a plan to solve both of their problems no matter what the cost, i.e. murdering uh, one of the girls' stepdad. Um, So, yeah... yeah. <laughs> uh, the the stars basically four people everybody else is we don't even need to know them um olivia cook playing amanda uh anya was it taylor On- joy uh, yeah i scribbled it so it just kind of rolled right through there uh lily uh you know her from the witch and that not so great uh split movie um <laughs> anton yelchin uh tim and paul sparks who plays mark are you familiar with him at all
0: I had to pull up his profile on the Wikipedia. Um, it's really interesting because I've seen him in a lot of movies without noticing him. Mm-hmm. And a fun little quirk in his filmography is that apparently he and Michael Shannon co-star in a lot of movies together.
1: He was in Boardwalk Empire with Michael Shannon.
0: Oh, and I, like <laughs> I that's. I know that's a big one for you.
1: Oh yeah, that's one of that's when I fell in love with Michael Shannon because his character arc on that show is great. But this guy, he was in uh, Boardwalk Empire. His Arc he was kind of annoying in that show. Like, he kind of would jump back and forth between kind of a good guy, kind of a bad guy. But he had a... His character quality was he was always, like, giggling. He was just, like, almost like the Joker. Kind of just like... <laughs> he honestly has the facial structure. He could have played the Joker in, like, a not-mainstream Joker movie. But that'll never happen because the Joker will always be a mainstream movie now. Uh, <laughs> it's just... Who, who is Daniel Day-Lewis going to take a crack at it next? I mean, who, who else we got on the docket?
0: <laughs> I'm... Coming out of retirement. I would actually (laughs) watch that. The Joker.
1: I would. You couldn't get my money fast enough. I pay double. I'll pay for the the two seats next to me. I'll watch Daniel Day Lewis do the Joker. Are You kidding me?
0: I mean, I want to go to the theater so I can watch people's heads explode. (laughs) Like watching the performance.
1: Nosebleeds from how great of a performance it was.
0: (laughs) And it's like, what's that white noise? It's just. It's like I think I think my head is exploding from the acting power.
1: He just has a heart attack, like, the last day of shooting, he just dies, because no performance will ever be matched, nor will he ever do a performance as good as when he portrayed the Joker.
0: No, he would show up to the set with, like, literally bleached skin, and he'd just, like, beep completely sheet white his hair would be naturally green so he'd will his hair green <laughs> shut just, his eyes really hard and start vibrating <laughs> like like convulsing capillaries, yeah. and then all of a sudden his hair follicles would just turn green because <laughs> it's just that fucking powerful
1: so yeah uh, so stylistically you and i both agree that this film is gorgeous to look at like it's it's shot great the sound i think the sound editing the music stood out for me stood out to me more than anything um, I don't know about you, but I think we are kind of, uh, I don't know if we're split, but we're kind of uh, along the same lines. Like, the story's a little lacking. Uh, there's a little bit of character development that's needed. I And we both kind of agree that the way Amanda's character is portrayed, uh, not necessarily by the actress, by the way it's written, is kind of, nah, we're not not too crazy about it. But overall, I mean, it's a good movie. It's a decent movie. But
0: Yeah, I, yeah. I think it would be... Hard to walk into this movie and then you know walk out feeling really disappointed. It it has enough layers of quality to it, like just in terms of production quality and quality of performance, that I think most people would walk away from this pretty satisfied, provided they know what they're getting into. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, I feel like just the structurally, it needed a few more peaks and valleys. Like mm-hmm. there just needed to be a more hick, a few more hiccups in the road, or like just more ten- tension beats, I guess, because it's a very flat movie in a lot of ways. And um, flat
1: can work. It's just how it's executed. Like the Coen Brothers, I'd say almost every single one of their movies, except for Oh Brother, Where Art Thou, it's all flat, but it still has the peaks and valleys. Like it, it's it's well, a unique kind of flat.
0: Yeah, they they have they have those shocking moments every once in a while where you're like you're kind of like laughing to yourself but you're like i don't know if i'm supposed to be laughing yeah (laughs) like like, that's kind of fucked up but it's also funny (laughs) this one's like we we have elements of that but it just doesn't hit as hard as it probably should um and it it leads to like the movie being very breezy and also an hour hour and a half long so you're kind of in and out
1: i was actually planning i'm like i gotta watch this today before we record and I'm like, fuck! It's gonna take forever. And I looked at the runtime, I'm like, ninety min, ninety mi- ninety minutes? I, you have to go back to like, I've been watching movies in the Criterion Collection. You have to go back to the '90s just to get a movie that's ninety minutes long. Like, that's that's like the cutoff. As soon as we hit 2000, pff, two hours. It has to be two hours long.
0: Now we're getting into two and a half hours. Two hours forty. Well, I got a, for a blockbuster movie.
1: I just purchased a Lars von Trier film on the Criterion Collection. Now, most of his films run about an hour 45 to two hours. This one's two and a half hours, and I don't know what I'm getting myself into, but it it's going to be stressful. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Which one did you get, by the
1: way? Oh, oh gosh, I can't even remember it now. Make um, Making the Waves, Making making the Waves. It seems like it's a bit more of a drama. Um, drama? <laughs> uh. What's her face? I can't think of her name. I always, I can always remember her face. I can't think. Breaking the Waves. Um, Emily Watson. It's Emily Watson, Stellan Skarsgård, and then some other jabronis. Um, oh, Udo Kier. Udo Kier uh, comes up in uh, Europa, which I either that or Element of Crime. I'd like you to watch at some point, just for the, uh, just for the, the filmmaking, just like him doing the shots. I think he would really. Shots. Enjoy. I think you'd really enjoy
0: whenever I think of Udo Kier I think of his line in Blade where he's like I was born a vampire and it's like yes I know Udo <laughs> <So> <laughs> we like, know. was that in the script I was <laughs> <It's> like no <laughs> like, he just felt the need to make it clear to everyone on the set that he's the only actual vampire here <laughs> Yeah, uh, when he dies in that movie, it's not a special effect. They just they just took him outside. They just took him outside. He, he, he got better. I mean, they brought him. They like threw him in the van before he exploded. Actually,
1: I've never seen him in the daytime. He's at nighttime in Ace Ventura. Uh, he's inside at NASA in Armageddon. He's at nighttime in Europa. They don't show him in the daytime. I'm trying he to think of. He was
0: born a vampire. I think
1: he, <laughs> is he in the Arnold Devil movie? I think that's at nighttime too.
0: Uh, uh, oh, the what is it? Yeah, end of that, days. Yeah, end of days. I, nighttime. I think he is. Yeah, in the nighttime. Damn, <laughs> Udo Kier. Vamp, oh, actual he, vampire. He
1: <laughs> is in the sunlight. I do remember in the end of at the end of Ace Venture they're at the Super Bowl and he's got on sunglasses, probably sunscreen too. Uh, <laughs> sunscreen. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> Taking a page out
0: of the Stephen Dorff book of vampirism. Yep.
1: <laughs> he learned a thing or two. So you want to? <laughs> you want to jump into this thing?
0: Absolutely. Uh, so yeah, thoroughbreds. Uh, directed by Corey Finley. Um, our opening shots. Uh, we open on black, and we actually get like an audio introduction to the movie. It's like it sounds like metal clinking around. Yeah. Like, you hear crickets chirping and like shuffling noises. And then the very first image we get in the film uh, is a girl, uh, Amanda Olivia Cook, um, standing opposite a horse, and they're they're both like. At either end of the frame, the left or the right in the frame, um, she pets the horse, and then we snapped to black, and then we get a close-up of a hand pulling a knife from a bag. It's a like, shitty knife. Yeah, not not the best knife. It's not very, it's not very long, probably not very sharp. Um, then we get the first sample of the score for this movie. Yeah, um, the, which j- I thoroughly enjoyed, just like he, I think you said you did. Yeah,
1: the diegetic and non-diegetic sounds in this film, like they real, it's really muddled. Like it even like Steph was in the other room she heard it she's like is that what's that clinking is that the stable or something like that what's that clinking noise I'm like that's the soundtrack and there are times where you think it's the soundtrack and it's somebody tapping on a table like in the background yes,
0: yes. I know exactly what you're talking about that was pretty cool I'm like I think like that's
1: that's, that. that's the I think it's the, the high watermark of this film is like how they did that I was really impressed by that
0: yeah the sound editing in this movie not just the score but just the use of sound is really effective um i wish it had led up to more because there's yeah. a lot of like beginnings of like building of tension but then the scenes just kind of end and it's like oh man i was i was waiting for like a hitchcockian moment or like a de palma-esque moment or something but it's then like oh well that was pretty and that was interesting but it didn't really go anywhere yeah um but yeah the music in this kind of reminded me a little bit of a uh, punch drunk love hmm uh it had like a blue man group kind of sound to it, whereas a lot, a lot of plinky plunky plinky sounds. A lot of, yeah, a lot of plinky plunks, a lot of indie plunks. <laughs> Indy, <laughs> um, indie plunks, yeah. Indie plunks. Um, and a lot of uh, like improvised instruments. So like blue man group kind of stuff where it's like not traditional instruments, just like found objects and uh, like foley kind of shit. Um, but it's put to good use in this. And also there's like um, some kind of vocalizations from like a, a lady singer that uh it's i don't even know what you'd call it like ululations or something she's not singing lyrics but she's making mouth noises that are yeah. really interesting and definitely go with the imagery in the film um but yeah uh we get a ominous tracking shot of a bmw pulling up to a mansion and uh again the score surprised me here because uh, we get drums that sound almost like taiko drums but mm-hmm. it's just like a single thump. Yeah, it a long it, period of silence and then thump.
1: It sounds like a drum that hasn't been tuned properly. Like it hasn't been tuned up. Like it's really loose. Yeah, I definitely noticed that. I really liked it. Um, yeah,
0: it comes up a few times in the movie, and this is this is a cool way to open your movie. I'm I, not gonna I, lie
1: I, without giving anything away. Doctor Sleep does something. Uh, the Shining has one of the greatest like soundtracks in a film. Like just the just the electronic pulsing that just. Throughout the entire film, and they try to recreate that in Doctor Sleep, and it just—it's really bad. It it kind of takes me out, of, takes you out of the film a few times. They try to do the heartbeat. I'm like, you're not doing it right. And I just want to mention that real quick. Um, I told you about Doctor Sleep a little bit, but um, here hey, child,
0: I do. Do I, do I need to hurry up and go out to see that so we can talk on it?
1: I think we should do an episode on it. I think I'd like you to see the director's cut because I I have got problems with that movie, but I also have. A few things that I love about that movie. It's I. It's a really. I'm at a love and hate point with it. I kind of want to rewatch it just to kind of figure out exactly what was bothering me.
0: See, I like movies like that though, because mm. that means you had an you had a reaction to it. Yeah, which is which is good. That means you're engaged. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm kind of interested. I should I should run out and grab that. Um, anyway uh this bmw pulls up to the mansion it's a very long sustained tracking shot following the ass of this vehicle pulling up to the mansion uh, and then we see this girl uh, amanda um, enter the mate like enter the mansion um under the supervision of a maid um and we get this really long tracking shot following her through this house and it's a it's several minutes long it's like a single sustained take that's really beautiful to look at it's very well choreographed and her facial acting is very interesting here i say interesting uh, because what we learn about this character in just a few minutes here um, kind of explains why her facial expressions maybe don't sync up with the movie sometimes Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah this percussion follows her throughout the entire house this this odd drum beat Um, i like that she like gets a nod from one of the gardeners. Like he uh-huh. just like gives her a sup. <laughs> so, um, I
1: could already tell from like frame one when we were introduced to her when she's in front of the horse, I'm like, Oh, she's dead behind the eyes. She's the she's the sociopath. And she even has a moment where she's walking to the house and she looks over at the mirror and smiles at it and then just goes back to what she's doing. I really like that one.
0: Yeah, actually that's like my next note. Oh um, sorry. I did I did like that shot of her looking in the mirror. Um, mm-hmm. because it is one of those smiles that's like putting on air is kind of like mm-hmm. it, she does it just like on a on a lark like it doesn't really mean anything but uh, there is like a little bit of a motif through this movie using mirrors like people's reflections and whatnot from time mm-hmm. to time uh, even in the sequence like there's more than one mirror but um she finds a like an envelope on the banister while the maid is like shouting through the house for Lily! Lily. yeah, <laughs> over and over and over again and there's like a gigantic wad of cash in this envelope and the the envelope happens to read Lily, so whoever whoever the mage is looking for is apparently getting paid. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then uh, Amanda, this this girl that's dead behind the eyes, she uh, she meanders through the house a bit more, and I think we get our first cut when she walks into a study. Yeah. So that's how you can tell you're in a mansion if it has a study. Well, we have the
1: big <laughs> we have the big child crush photo of her as like an equestrian up on the wall. Um, did I misremember this? Does uh, Mark have a photo of himself with a horse as well? He,
0: he hasn't. He has a photo of himself with a dead lion. He has that. I and think he a, also has one a, with a with a horse. I wouldn't be surprised. I didn't catch that. I caught the lion, and I caught him holding a katana. Yeah. Um, which which is hanging from the wall, which is where our first cut comes in the form of her uh, pushing a chair into the fireplace so she can just grab the katana off the wall yeah which never comes never comes back i put a pin in that i was wanting that to fucking come back (laughs) seriously i was wanting there to be like a scuffle in the house and mark has to go for the katana or like i I wanted anton yelchin to grab the katana and and, suck at using it or something
1: zed's dead baby
0: (laughs) oh man Thought of that in a while.
2: Yeah, right. But um, uh, so
0: yeah, she she makes a move for the katana, and uh we get a very awkward hello um, from was it Anya Taylor Joy?
1: Yeah, Lily. We'll just call her Lily. Yeah, or you can call um, her the witch. I mean, if you've seen the witch, you know who we're talking <laughs> the,
0: about. The vitch. Um, man, it needs to be said, man. This this Anya Taylor Joy lady. Um, her eyes are the best special effect in Hollywood. Um, Jesus fuck. <laughs> like, just the construction of her face, it's like, it's like easy mode in terms of, like, acting. Like, even um, if she was a shitty actress, which she isn't, she's no. actually a very, very, very good actress, just the construction of her face is just perfect for, for being on camera.
1: I feel like somewhere Tim Burton is just rocking back and forth in a chair, biting his nails, trying to think of a story where he can get her into it. And he's just like, "There's got to be something. There's got to be. I, I, what have I not done yet that I can get her into?" <laughs> like she's just <laughs> waiting to be in a Tim Burton film. Um,
0: oh yeah, she just she's perfect for what for what he goes for.
1: She looks like an Egyptian wall painting. Uh, the, I don't know. There's something about her facial structure that reminds me of like an Egyptian. Like her eyes, just there's like a like a triangular
0: her her face has interesting lines because her profile is unconventional to say yeah. the least like it, it's not what you would you would expect from like a mainstream like beautiful actress or something yeah. but yeah just like she looks like uh she has like permanent like white eyeliner on mm-hmm. but i think it's just her eyelids are just built like that um but, yeah, uh, she walks into the room, and she's uh, dressed all prim and proper. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have this awkward hello um, where we exchange uh, young girl-isms, and it, it concludes with a, oh, you look good, and, <laughs> and should we get started? And we get a uh, on-screen title in the form of Chapter One. Mm-hmm. Um, this movie has several chapters, and I guess this is the first one. And we sit down for a uh, tutoring session. So Lily, uh, Anya Taylor-Joy, is tutoring Amanda, Olivia Cooke. Um This exchange here was really interesting. Um, I mean, immediately, um, like, immediately, we we get a sense of what kind of person Amanda is. And, Mm -hmm. in fact, she explicitly tells us as much. Um, I did, like, uh, the callbacks to Steve Jobs. Mm -hmm. For some reason, that was such a weird little quirk in the script, but it it actually worked for me. Like, I like that she's getting frustrated with the tutoring session. We're studying for some kind of, like, exam. Yeah. Um, Like, I don't know, like, not SAT but just some sort of exam some standardized test and Amanda gets frustrated and she just kind of like sits back in her seat and she's like "Uh, like I don't know about this whole school thing like it just doesn't seem to be working with me it's like I have business savvy I could strike out on my own like Steve Jobs it's like really now (laughs) I don't know if that's wise but go on yeah go with that
1: see what happens they well they uh her and I don't know if she was just joking but anton Yelkin kind of has delusions delusions of grandeur as well um, his is sincere but I'm not sure about Amanda she might just be talking out of her ass or she might actually think like yeah I can do this it's, I don't really need to do school
0: i I caught like some parallels between their two characters and I think I think she may be being sincere um, I think it's I hate just I hate, hate to keep repeating this but it's she, like, a lot of the characters in this movie have what I call, like, a teenage mentality. Where it's like, mm-hmm. fuck the world, everything's bullshit kind of mentality about things. Well, they're teenagers, and, so... Yeah, they're teenagers. They know better than everyone, Kyle. <laughs> 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 they're not phonies. Um, but, yeah, I, I I think she's actually being serious when she says this. Um, seems to be a common thread through most of the things she says. That's like, you know, as absurd as that is, she's, she doesn't have it in her to be deceptive. <laughs> um. And I caught some neat quirks here in the cinematography where uh, when uh, Lily is reading through the text, like, like guiding Amanda through one of these questions or something, uh, we get a close up of the book. And uh, I, I was telling you off air, like whoever did the rack focus, like whoever was operating that on the camera for this movie really deserves some credit. Because uh, they do a lot of tricks here where they put like a, a halo around a lot of shots where there's like a ring of haze. Um, to create like a central focal point in the frame mm-hmm. um, And for this we get just like a very obvious highlight on the the word horse in the text um, and we saw Amanda potentially doing some harm to a horse in the very beginning of this yeah. movie so it's pretty obvious like why she'd key in on that phrase in the in the book um, and she and asks, then I think we
1: she asks for a snack. she's like I'm hungry I want I'd like a snack. And yeah. um, we see her eating chips, and this is where I was. This is where I was kind of like, because I'm still trying to make sense of why she's there. I'm like, okay, she's tutoring her. Why is she tutoring her? Uh, and you could like, you can tell by their composure that it seems like one is more well off than the other. And I'm starting to think that because um, Amanda's eating the chips, and she's doing it real obnoxious, like really obnoxious. She's she's chewing loud and like kind of smacking her lips a little bit subtle, but still like you're you're still able to pick up on it. And um, I'm just like, oh, maybe she's just like new money. Like her parents can afford this now, but they're kind of slobs or something like that. But seeing the snack, and I think she asked her something to make her uncomfortable. I can't remember what it was, but she's just like, "Um, let's go back to tutoring. She's like, leave those. And like as soon as they leave the kitchen, uh, the uh, maid just comes up and like snatches them to go put them away.
0: Yeah, I caught that. It was like a shot out of a horror movie. Yeah. It's like a, it was like a Michael Myers moment or something. <laughs> in fact, there is a sound on the on mm-hmm. the track that's just like <laughs> and
1: I caught this, I'm like if you didn't already think they were Ivy League, uh, the the fucking espresso machine that's on the counter, I'm like, "Oh gosh. One of these days, that's going to be one of the first purchases <laughs> that I'm going to make as a real adult is an espresso maker." So uh,
0: Kyle would Kyle would take his espresso maker out of the box, he'd set it up in the kitchen, he'd like square it up mm-hmm. just right. They yeah. yell over his shoulder to whoever might be listening. Gonna need a moment alone, boys.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Somebody um, trutches yeah, it. I'm gonna <laughs> never rub
1: another
2: man's
0: rhubarb. <laughs> I love that line. I haven't used I haven't used it in a long time, but I keep it in my back pocket. Yeah, it's a good um, one to keep in there. Yeah, it's your Uncle Bingo. Time to pay the check. <laughs> um, so this uh, this exchange here in the kitchen. Um, I didn't really piece it together until you brought it up, but um, we're laying the groundwork for a couple of things that maybe could have been hammered home a bit harder mm-hmm. um, that I actually appreciate more now that I think about in retrospect. Um, so the audio of uh, Amanda chewing the chips. Um, it's very effective in the scene because we have this off-kilter uh, dialogue going on between the two of them where it's very clearly there. there's like a little bit of a standoffish atmosphere here where, like, Amanda is just unreadable, mm-hmm. um, and Lily is so uptight and prim and proper, and it's clearly her home and everything, and she seems kind of uneasy. So you can tell they're not quite on the same wavelength. And so having the, having this Amanda character start chewing loudly, it fits the scene, regardless of where the characters are at. So based on what we know of the characters, like, it doesn't really matter. It's just, it's just fitting for this particular exchange. But when I think about... Uh, in the context of the film as a whole, um, the, was it the ergometer? Um, The incessant noise that Mark makes every night, or all day long, basically. Yeah, his rower, yeah. (sighs) And (sighs) who takes offense to that and, you know, escalates things beyond, (laughs) like, and, you know, wants to do some horrible things to that person. Lily. Mm -hmm. So we have Amanda making a noise that seems irritating to us, the viewer and probably Lily as well. Um, so maybe, maybe this is the film trying to communicate that to us very early. That's like, you know, this is something that bothers this particular character. Um, um, also I, I did like that. Uh, we do learn that Amanda is maybe not from as wealthy a family, mm-hmm. but she's well off. Like she's, she's not, well it's off. not, this isn't a case of like a poor person moving in with a rich person or something. Um, I did like that we didn't have that particular dynamic because I think that would have been too cute.
1: Yeah, she uh, they sit back down for tutoring and she starts questioning her again and she's like, oh, uh, I think the, the time is up or something like that. She's like, oh, you're ke- keeping the clock for just us hanging out. And uh, She says something about being paid and she's like, listen, I read my mom's emails and I know that the only reason why you're doing this is because she's paying you more to do it. Um, and that's you can kind of get the sense that she's just a, a shitty person in general. Uh, Amanda, that is. Um, she's smart though. That's the other thing is like, she's, she's conniving and she's intelligent, but she's kind of a piece of shit. But I mentioned the, um, the chewing here. This is the very next scene we see of her is in her room. Go ahead.
0: Oh, I was just going to say, we also get her, um, man, this is starting to come together, Kyle on the fly. Um, also during the same exchange before the scene ends um she's confessing to lily that she's a sociopath basically yeah she she says like i don't have any feelings ever and uh she's been through any number of therapies and whatnot and she had a pretty cool line here i have a perfectly normal brain it just doesn't necessarily contain feelings um and you know, that is, I think, the definition of a sociopath. Yeah. But, um, but one thing that I noticed, and I, I'm glad I wrote down my notes, because this is starting to come together a bit, um, we do get a close-up from Lily's perspective of Amanda turning a pencil sharpener. Mm-hmm. And we get and the audio of the shavings of the pencil dialed way the fuck up while she's saying all this. Um,
2: so,
0: hmm. 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 i was <laughs> <kind of>, hmm. <laughs> starting to appreciate some, some aspects of this movie just a little bit more. Um, but yeah, she does explain that she reads her mom's emails and stuff, and then we cut from that scene. Basically, what what we get from that is that she knows Lily is being paid to mm-hmm. spend time with her, probably because her mom just doesn't want her around or something. Um, but she doesn't seem to be terribly bothered by it. She's just making it known that she knows that, and she wants Lily, Lily to fess up to it. Mm-hmm. I don't think she does, but she's saying, like, hey, it's okay. Just be honest because that's how that's who I am. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm honest even if it hurts people but we cut from that scene and then what what is Amanda doing after that?
1: She's um, she's eating in her room and we hold on her face for a little bit she's chewing with her mouth closed uh, and that's when I caught him like oh she was chewing the the chips loud in front of her to bother her specifically and I'm like oh that's nice I like that it's, it's so subtle and if you're not paying attention you'll miss it but yeah I like that little just that little subtlety um, and she's playing online poker um, which I it's I mean gambling is an addiction uh, and like slot machines were actually invented by a, a psychologist and I think it's funny that she's just she just won like 150 bucks and she's just like emotionless like whoop do doo like I could damn
0: it less. Kyle you're making me like this movie more because like <laughs> as I'm thinking about this she's playing online poker and there's a recurring theme throughout the rest of this movie of her making reference to essentially uh, acting or or was it bluffing basically mm-hmm. um how do you play poker <laughs> it's just, it's like yeah. she's adept at this skill in real life why wouldn't she be adept at it in you know in a game so again this is character information that's being relayed to us even if we don't know it mm-hmm. so it's very good choice on the part of the director because this this whole sequence like her chewing and her playing poker it's like a, Not even a minute. No, it's only a few seconds long. Like twenty seconds long, tops. But if you pay attention, you collect this information. A lot was just communicated to you. Um, and also, she wins like 180 bucks on one hand, and her face doesn't change. change. (laughs) (laughs) So it is just purely a game for her, I guess. Um, but yeah, then we cut back to another tutoring session, and this is again where the rack focus like really comes in handy here, where we get a focal point in the form of a. amanda fixating on lily playing with her necklace and uh, her finger running down the page of a book um and this time it's made known that uh lily just puts it out there that's like oh i'm I'm not being paid for this session i just wanted to see you um and we have no reason not to believe her and then enter stepdad mark um, <laughs> she's what also, the fuck was he wearing, Kyle? <laughs> she,
1: uh, she's twiddling a little bit here, too. Like, she's playing with her chain. I noticed that in this scene. So I'm like, she looks a little bit more uncomfortable this time. Um, yeah, Mark, I think he's going to go for a ride. I think he's, he's either going to be... Is he going for a horse ride or is he going for, like, a bike? Oh, bike ride. He's going bike, for a bike ride. Bike ride. And he comes in really creepy. Not as creepy as Kevin Spacey in American Beauty. Uh, but he just kind of comes in and just, like, stares at Amanda. They're just, like, staring back and forth at each other. And he... <laughs> pops his glasses off and he gives her like a hey like kind of an up down like yeah I'd hit that she's she's in high school but I'd hit that uh, real creepy um, so yeah
0: without I, the creepy it would be kind of like a Paul Walker what's up what's yeah. up <laughs> <laughs> how's the tuna here <laughs> Oh, man, Kyle, watch, watching you perform on the webcam just now, it's like, wouldn't it be cool if Mark's entrance was done with him on roller skates just, like, <laughs> sliding into the room? <laughs> <laughs> just like a fucking ghost or something? <laughs> that would have been put too a, funny. Put a put a dark force power rumble, like, on the soundtrack.
1: Mm, he just, like, slides in. He's on his rollerblades. He's? Uh, yeah.
0: But, yeah, he doesn't really say much here, but he does carry with him a tense atmosphere.
1: He, he's good. He's also in the Night of. Uh, it's an HBO miniseries. That's pretty, pretty good. Um, I forgot what his whose character was. I think he plays a shitbag bag in there too. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he just has like a. That's why he does so well in Boardwalk Empires because he's kind of a good guy. but He's also kind of a bad guy at the same time. He has like a, a stern, dead behind the eyes look about him, and if he can switch it on and off, and it's really good here. Uh, but yeah, he just there's just something lacking there. Like he just doesn't have empathy. He just doesn't really care, um, which I would assume somebody with this house would have. Uh, this thing is enormous. This this is expensive real estate, but this house in this area, whew, this is ridiculous. This is for the super rich.
0: Yeah, uh, we do, it is verbalized at one point in the movie that we're in Connecticut. Yeah. Um, so the whole time, like, as soon as I learned that, I was like, oh, so they live next to Vince McMahon and, mm. and Triple H. <laughs> 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 That'd be awesome if, like, the, the resolution in this film is, like, Triple H has to show up to save the day or <laughs> something.
1: Yeah, you go <laughs> hang out. What are you kids doing? <laughs> you, go to their, you go to their pool, and they're all just, like, hanging out in there, and there's so many protein farts that it's just a jacuzzi to j- jacuzzi pool. Like, oh, is that a jacuzzi? No, they're just all farting under the water.
0: I'm waiting for a, a newspaper to read, like, spontaneous combustion in Greenwich, Connecticut, due to protein <laughs> fart gas explosion. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah. Mark comes in. He doesn't really say much. He just, like, kind of gives everyone a what's up and says, I'm going on a bike ride. And uh, as soon as he leaves the room, though, Amanda calls calls out Lily and says, wow, you hate him. Hmm. And Lily kind of tries to, she's evasive about this. She's like, oh, no, no. Like, what are you talking about? I'm I'm trying hard to have a pleasant and mature relationship with him. <laughs>
1: yeah, you, yeah. I wonder who told you that.
0: Yeah, um, that sounds like it came directly from the horse's mouth. But, um, yeah, we have a bit of a spat here. Um, Basically, Lily tries to, like, usher Amanda out of the house because clearly this is a touchy subject for her. Um, and we do have, like, a little bit of an aggressive spat here. However, instead of recoiling in response to this, Amanda just kind of makes it known, like, I appreciate your honesty. Like mm-hmm. if, if you want to be mean to me, I'd rather you be mean than pretend to be nice to me. Um, and then we, we have this, like it's, it's a very stepbrothers esque bonding sequence. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, did we just become best friends? Like, <laughs> do you want to well, go do karate in the in the garage? <laughs> I mean,
1: it's, I kind of forget about it until the end like these, I mean, they used to be like besties when they were like in the sixth grade or something like that. So like six years ago, basically, and I kind of forget that it still feels kind of new the way they interact with each other. So, like watching him, like oh, what? they wouldn't interact with each other like this because they don't really know each other. But then I'm like, oh wait, they're they're old friends. So yeah, they would kind of pick up a little bit. Um, but yeah, they give like just, a, a go ahead. It, it,
0: it, it's like a breaking down of barriers, kind of. Mm-hmm. It's like we we have this like guarded situation here where it's it's supposed to be a faux tutoring session of some sort. It's a forced arrangement. But this is them like naturally kind of finding their own rhythms and like actually well, seeing each other as people.
1: Well, the horse story, now that I'm thinking about it, I think plays into their um, to their exchange early on. Uh, there's some, you can tell there's kind of something off about Amanda, and you can't really piece it together. And you can tell that Lily's kind of uncomfortable. And once we know the horse story, it makes a bit more sense, I think. Um, she kind of has like a a cloud over her head. Like anytime somebody sees her, you're like oh, it's it's her and i think that plays into it a bit more than i realized going through this
0: well as we're talking about it i'm i'm trying to key in on moments where you notice lily being off kilter because like just just in the brief time we've been talking about it, i'm starting to notice like man the breadcrumbs were laid down mm-hmm. real early yeah um but i did like one of lily's lines here where she she's being encouraged by Amanda to be honest uh so she, like her her expression goes from like trying to be pleasant to just kind of like frumpy and mean. And she's like, you make me feel weird. Like a video of popping a giant zit. Yeah. Baby born without a face. (laughs) I love those videos. I love those videos. (laughs) And I was like, you know, that's where that's why I say it reminds me of Step Brothers. Yeah. (laughs) I like they have
1: like a BFF talk. They just talk about you're my best friend, something like that. But she goes for a hug. This was, and this kind of sets up something about uh, Amanda's character. She's very very jumpy throughout the film, and I'm not entirely sure why. But yeah, she goes to like. She's kind of, like, walking past her a little bit, and, like, Amanda's, like, going to get a hug on her, but it, it, she thought she was going to attack her, so she, like, stumbles back real quick. and She's like, oh, sorry, like, oh, I was going for hugs. Oh, I thought you were going to attack me. And I said, like, no, they're just going for a hug.
0: <laughs> yeah, and the, the second attempt is very cozy, though. Um, Lily, really, Lily basically, like, melts into Amanda and, like, gets a good sniff of her hair. And yeah. Like, clearly one of these people... Need, really needed this, and the other person just wanted it. Mm-hmm. Um, but then uh, we, I think, we cut back to Amanda's house, and we get just a brief sequence where she's just out of the shower. Uh, she's just looking at herself in the mirror again, um, and she does her hair up like Anna, who had her hair like tied back in like like Audrey Hepburn-esque kind mm-hmm. of manner, and uh, she like does her hair up. Which, by the way, Amanda's hair is normally like hanging loose and very very curly. Um, borderline unkempt um but yeah she does her hair up like Anna for a second and like gives a really phony smile and then like just shakes it out and she's like nah that's not going to work <laughs> but but it just shows that it's like you know despite her being dead behind the eyes or whatever it's like she does maybe value Lily on some mm-hmm. level like appreciates her as a friend or whatever um and and then we're uh we're hanging out like legit instead of like a tutoring session this time and uh we're watching and a black and white film, unfortunately I didn't catch the title of it. Yeah. Um, we're watching it on TV in the living room and, uh, <laughs> both the girls are debating if the tears, uh, that the actress on the screen are shedding are, are real. Mm-hmm. And Amanda's like, well, wow, those are so funny. <laughs> and Lily's kind of fighting her on it. But then, uh, Amanda demonstrates something she calls the technique. Um, and this is crying on command. Mm-hmm. Um, and Kyle, uh, no, I'll I'll uh I'll call back to this later. I just had something I wanted to throw out there um, about about this particular um, room in the house. Um, anyway, she demonstrates the technique, and uh, Lily wants to learn it. Uh, so Amanda tries to teach her. Uh, it has something to do with like welling up your emotions and like hyperventilating your throat mm-hmm. until it, like it forces you to cry. And Amanda can just like bust it out like like in an instant. Lily can't quite the quite get the handle on it. Um, but then Mark walks into the room. And uh, he happens to walk in while like Lily's hyperventilating and trying to make herself cry and it's a little awkward.
1: They give him a oh hi Mark. Like legit. It's uh, he just comes in, Oh hello Mark. I'm like that was an oh hi mark. <laughs>
0: Oh, hi, Mark.
1: Yeah, and this is where he his character took a little bit of a turn. Uh, this is not what I was expecting. Uh, when his first exchange with uh, Amanda and Lily, I thought he was going to be all boned up for Amanda. and Like, why don't you stay the night? Why don't you stay over or something? But he's actually the opposite. He's like, uh, I think it's about time that you that you leave. Um, he's just like sitting there having a chat, and he's like, oh, how long are you going to be here for? Midnight? He's like, it's kind of late for our house. She's like... Um, why don't you drive her home? He's like, don't you think that's a bit dangerous? You know, teenage girls driving at night. He's like, well, where's your mom? She's like in chemotherapy, and he's just like, fuck. All right.
0: It's like I can't, I can't really fight you on that. <laughs> it's like there's not really much more to be said of that. And I did like his, I just like how he bamped out of there. He's mm-hmm. like, oh goodnight. It's <laughs> like after the chemotherapy line. And then she tells then, him uh, the diet.
2: Yeah.
0: Oh, this was this is really funny because um, as soon as he walks out of the room, uh, they the both the girls start going back and forth about like lily not liking him and uh basically like mid-sentence we just hear a a refrigerator like refrigerator door shut and then the camera cuts to an angle where we can see mark way in the background he like holds up this bottle or something he says just grab my juice (laughs) it's like oh he was there the whole time hopefully he didn't hear any of that i think Um, that yeah we get an explanation of his diet his uh perpetual yeah. juice cleanse yeah
1: she's like yeah he's on a perpetual juice cleanse uh he eats like he gorges himself on steak for three weeks and then for a week he drinks juice
0: and she's like
2: is that
1: healthy she's like i think it's supposed to be done for a month but i guess he's been doing it for probably years or so, like for a long time i'm like yeah that's not healthy i don't think no, it's healthy at all not. don't uh, tell that to jordan peterson apparently all he eats is meat don't um, tell that to joe rogan jesus yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: man that carnivore stuff is Widespread now.
1: I'm kind of yeah. That's 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 his reach because everyone's like Joe Rogan said it. It's gotta be fucking true. Oh my
0: god. It's like my my, my argument has always been: look at the construction of your teeth. Yeah. Look at the construction of your teeth. They're they're meant. It's meant to take in everything. Yeah, <laughs> like you've a variety got, of things. You
1: got canines right here, and then mm-hmm. molars in the back. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> it's like yeah, your mouth's designed to eat a variety. Both of, things. of them, yes. <laughs> Both.
1: Yeah, <people. laughs> Joe Rogan is the Oprah for men fourteen to thirty eight, apparently. Uh,
0: yeah, but um, as soon as Mark leaves the room, uh, he heads upstairs, and then we get this really eerie sound um and Lily makes it known that this is the ergometer Uh, she says it's akin to like a rowing machine I actually haven't bothered to look up what it looks like doesn't matter point is uh Mark goes upstairs and I guess all hours of the day and night uh he's on this machine and it just makes this this droning sound throughout the entire house um and like I said uh Earlier on in this movie, we get instances of people making obnoxious noises, and it really seems to bother Lily. Um, and this sound in particular really seems to trigger her. Um, more than once in the movie, in fact. Um, but yeah, uh, this, the scene abruptly cuts when uh, Lily says, come on, let's go steal some of his wine. <laughs> oh, yeah. And Actually, I was watching this, I'm like,
1: ooh, I bet he's got some good wine down there. Because if this rich and that cellar, yeah, I would go steal his wine too. Absolutely. They don't even appreciate it because they're like fucking 17 or 18 or something like that. I'm like, they don't even, they don't even know how good that wine is down there. Um, <laughs> I think the rowing machine, do you remember the movie Payback where Chris Christofferson, we're introduced to his character, and he's got that serious rowing machine. It's like metal. Yeah, and it's. Yeah. I think it's that. I think it's like a like a really expensive rowing machine.
0: Okay. Yeah, I, I know what you're talking about. Um, and then it's while we're trying to open one of these wine bottles that Amanda throws out there. Do you ever consider just murdering him? Yeah, which is strange. Yeah, and this whole this whole exchange is very strange. Um, we get a, a second reference to Steve Jobs about being an entrepreneur and striking out on your own and whatnot. Um, and I really like this uh, tracking shot where we we uh, in one seamless take we go from Amanda at the bar like struggling to get this wine bottle open, and then the camera pans over into the into the closet or the cellar like where all the wines are stored, where uh, Lily is and it's very fitting from a sin- like in terms of cinematography because we have amanda probing this really strange subject and then Lily separated via a wall um and you know not exactly being on the same page so it, it just fits really really well um kind of reminded me of that obnoxious shot in bad boys 2 mm. um, do you know what i'm talking about yeah, 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 yeah where the yeah, camera's yeah. spinning around through the yeah. walls Oh my God, that, that sequence exists for no other reason than for Michael Bay to like put the camera in, a, in an interesting place. Mm-hmm. It's such an annoying action sequence. It's like, th- you know, the choreography of this is interesting, but not thrilling in any way.
1: <laughs> I don't remember what movie it was. I'm, ge- I'm assuming it was one of the Naked Gun movies where Leslie Nielsen and two other guys are walking in from one room to another, and the two guys walk through the door, and Leslie Nielsen walks past the set, like the the wall basically
2: <laughs> I love those it's really movies. good no, i love those movies no. in fact
0: uh I, I forget what day it came out but um was it uh the tv show version of of a uh, naked gun came out on blu-ray very recently mm. um i forget what it was called but It's like police files or something anyway it was like a tv show but done in the style of naked gun i think it mm. preceded naked gun actually oh really um I really anyway. liked oh
1: uh, uh, oh god, Spy Hard. Spy Hard was really funny.
0: Spy Hard was good. I think that's I think that's one of the best ones. Wrongfully Accused was kind of in one ear out the other in some ways. Dracula Dead and Loving It was definitely not on that par with good. Mel Brooks's other movies. <laughs> to be to be sure, it's still okay. Like it has some fun beats in it. Like I remember when I was a kid, I really liked the part where they kill Lucy with the stake and just explosions of blood every like with every pound of the hammer i was like you know as a kid that's that's good slap funny, yeah. um and uh what's it what's his face uh from Ali mcbeal and ghostbusters 2 peter mcnichol oh yeah peter he's, mcnichol yeah he's he's obnoxious in it but you know he's he's a living cartoon <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah amanda during the scene has a as a line here um, human life isn't sacred it's like mm. a piece of malfunctioning machinery and lily counters with like a lame horse and it's like ooh you bitch <laughs> put a
1: pin in that um yeah. but yeah i liked uh she's like oh yeah you sound like a, the nazis and i like her uh her responses i had to leave school before we covered world war 2 but i think it was about race with them <laughs> like it wasn't just like yeah, I know what she meant. It's I thought a very it was, uh,
0: smart Alec response. Yeah, but, you
1: know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She uh, she's getting, I guess, uh, man, or Lily's getting a little uncomfortable with the conversation. She asks her to leave, and she's like, "Why?" He's like, "Doesn't matter. I need you to leave." She's like, "For real?" And this was, I get what they were going for, but I thought it was kind of. I didn't really like this. She just kind of steps back, and I'm like, "What? What is she doing?" I'm like, "Oh, she's stepping back so she can walk under the bar," and that's exactly what she does. I'm like, "Okay." Yeah,
0: from a- From a blocking standpoint, it's a little clunky because it's a logistical move where it's like, oh, we need her to move so she can actually leave. Mm -hmm. Um, But they they try to salvage it because the camera pulls back and it creates space for them in the frame. And it's, you know, it's basic cinematic language where it's two characters are having a, a problem with each other and then one of them creates a physical rift between the two of them. And then I did like that when she comes out of the bar, they have that extra beat where she slips under the bar. She doesn't lift the door or anything. She slips under it. And then she comes up like pretty much right in Lily's face and hangs out there for a second. Yeah. And and then does a little turn and, and heads out. And then we get this uh, long tracking shot following her out of the house. And I was telling you about this off air. I thought this was a really handsome shot where there's a lot of like amber tones in the frame and the camera's following her up the stairs. And then... As she's heading up the stairs, the TV sound from the living room starts to blare louder and louder on the soundtrack mm-hmm. um, until until eventually she leaves. And then the camera actually, as she's leaving the house, um, turns to the, the staircase. And I think the scene plays out with a uh, fade to black and the sound of the ergometer just kind of, like, overpowering everything. Um, but, yeah, uh, I think we cut to, uh, to Amanda in bed... Yeah. the camera's, like, looking down at her, and she has her phone beside her. So, obviously, she's, like, wanting to hear from Lily. She hasn't. Um, then she does a little bit of detective work, and this happens very rapid fire. Um, she makes a lot of calls posing as a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. Um, basically, she's checking, she's fact-checking a lot of the things that Lily had told her about herself. Um, Which I'm not sure about why. An internship and a yeah, school yeah. admission.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, the other thing we see is that Amanda is a fantastic equestrian. Like, she has got awards and all kinds of stuff on the wall. Like, she's really good. Probably, I'm assuming, a little better than Lily. Um, maybe, maybe that's where the, maybe that's where the tension came from a little later. Like, one got better than the other, and they just stopped being BFFs. Um, but yeah, she's highly decorated (laughs) as an equestrian. And, yeah, she finds out that, uh, she's not, uh, there's no internship, and she even asks, like, her name, but what about uh, Lily? And she's like, who? And she just hangs up. And she calls the school to find, or she calls talking about, like, edible arrangements. She's like, yeah, I'm supposed to send these edible arrangements. I'm looking for this student. And they're like, yeah, she doesn't go here. Like, she's, they're not at this school. And then we get chapter two.
0: Yeah. Uh, we get a on-screen title, chapter two. And uh, Lily is dressed to the nines. And she's walking through the house. And, uh. The lighting in here is really cool. It's and clearly very late at night, and like it looks almost like a horror movie or something. Or, or like we're heading into Dracula's banquet hall or something.
1: Did you catch the noise that's going on in the background?
0: I did, but I don't know what it is. I it think was, it's I think it's part of the music. Actually,
1: it, it's part of the music, but it sounds like it's happening in the house. Yeah. Because uh, she's walking through this enormous house, this mansion, uh, and she walks into uh, it's kind of tense. She's like walking. She walks walks into Mark's study. And he's doing something on the desk, and he's, she's like, where's mom? And he just kind of points down. I'm like, is she sucking his dick under the desk? Like, I thought it was, I, like, that's what I thought at first. I'm like, is that what the noise is? I'm like, what the hell's happening? I mean, the, it's not a blowjob noise in the background. It's just, it was it was weird, but he just points down.
0: Yeah, the, the score is, like, the instrumentation, I have no idea what, what it was, but it's very interesting to hear. Mm-hmm. It's, like, it's very percussive, kind of jazzy, to be honest. Yeah. And it's kind of going nuts as she's walking through the house. And it's this long tracking shot from behind, and there's, like, amber tones on all the lights. It almost looks like candlestick lighting in the Mm -hmm. hallways and stuff. Um, But then when Mark points her downward, uh, she heads into a different part of the house. That I think it's, like, one of the garages or something. I think it's the basement Um, or something. Yeah, in the basement, everything's blue instead. And uh, we soon find out why. It's because uh, she finds her mom... Uh, and she is in a tanning bed, which mm-hmm. has, you know, like those tube lights that happen to be bluish. Um, and apparently it's a brand new tanning bed that mark re- like Mark recently bought for the family. And uh, she opens the lid of the tanning bed, and her mom's in there. and uh, she's just kind of like, Checked out. She's having a good time in her tanning bed. and she, I, There's a couple of choice lines in here, one of which being, "Mark likes it when I have a little color." Yeah. It's like mm. Mark's <laughs> biggest
1: crime in this movie is he's kind of a dick. Yeah. That's that's honestly that's, that's <laughs> the worst thing he's done. I do like this with her mom. Like she, uh, I, I picked up on this because this is not how I could borrow the car uh, growing up. Uh, we already know she's given like a wad of cash at the beginning of the film. She's like, Mom, I need to borrow the car. She's like, Okay, the keys are in my purse. Just go ahead. I'm like, Are you kidding me? Like, my parents, <laughs> if I ask my parents to borrow the car, like, Where are you going? How long are you going to be gone? Do you have money for gas? Make sure you put gas in the car. Make sure you're home on time. Make sure you wear your seatbelt. It's like all these things. She's like, Oh, yeah, just go grab the keys. Man, fucking
0: lucky. <laughs> fucking kids, man. Uh, um, but yeah, I did like that she, uh, when the conversation's over, she just shuts the lid on her. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so after we shut the lid on Mom, uh, yeah, we cut to a house party. And uh, this is where the uh, crazy uh, mouth noises pop on to the, uh, the score for the movie. Um, again, you may have to listen to this t- on your own to get a sense of what this sounds like, but it's, it's really unique and it's very unnerving. Um, but strangely enough, it has a dance beat put to it, and it actually works for this house party scene. Yeah, right? (laughs) It's kind of weird. But basically, we we cut to this party, and Lily is standing in a circle with a bunch of other kids, and we're gossiping about stuff uh, about the horse. And we still don't quite know the details of this horse incident, but we have an idea based on the opening of the movie. And we're not even saying um,
1: that it's that we're even talking about Amanda. That's the other thing. It's like we can kind of put it together, but it's not explicitly stated.
0: Yeah, it feels like very naturalistic dialogue. Um, but yeah, um, there was a little bit of kind of a cameo here, Kyle, and one that I'm sure jumped out at you. Uh, one of the kids standing in the circle, I believe the, what is the actor's name? Something, Wolf? Um, he is from uh, one of your favorite movies of the past mm-hmm. few years, uh, *Hereditary*. Uh, Alex Wolff—he's um, one of the central figures in that in that movie. Um, I thought it was fitting, like, because a lot of the the texture of that movie kind of resembles this one, mm-hmm. and even the timing of the release—it just kind of fits. I was like, "Oh wow, that's kind of cool." <laughs> yeah, right. Um, but yeah, he's barely in this movie. Like, he, I think he—I think on IMDb it even says he's uncredited. Since oh, really? He only, has like, he only has, like, one or two lines of dialogue.
2: Well, I mean, um, Anton
1: Yelkin is barely in this movie.
0: Yeah, speaking of which, um, he makes his appearance here during this party sequence. Um, and the, it's kind of interesting. We just hear, like, some commotion at the other end of the party. And I really liked uh, the way the scene transitions, because it's all done in one camera movement. So the camera, like, circles around uh, Lily and her friends all talking about the horses and stuff. And then we hear a noise on the other end of the party, and the camera um, follows Lily's eye because she looks to where the the sound is coming from, and the camera like s- like streaks through the crowd out to like I don't know what what part of the house you'd call this like the foyer or something. <laughs> anyway, um, and we see Anton Yelchin uh, having some sort of argument with a chunky ginger kid. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, And we very quickly are made... It's very quickly made known to us that uh, he deals drugs to these kids. Yeah. Um, Just based on his hairline, you can tell he's supposed to be older than them. Yes. Uh, Maybe not by a super significant margin, but... His, his hair's starting to go north, though. <laughs> um, and he appears to be from a different socioeconomic bracket than the rest of the people here, too.
1: He looks like shit. Uh, yeah. he, he looks scuzzy, he's pale, bad, ha- bad facial hair distribution, like you said, his hairlines receding, pale, just, yeah, he doesn't look good, skinny. I mean, he's already, like, a short, skinny guy, but he just looks extra skinny. Um, yeah, there's, like, he's, like, uh, they're like, what are you, what are you even doing here, man? What, like, like you're just a fucking little drug dealer. Why are you talking to my sister? Um, and he's like, I'm trying to provide good drugs for you guys. That's what I do. Um, and we learn about his character here. And I was like, you're a fucking piece of shit. I heard that you, uh, you, you went to, uh, you're on, a, you're a sex offender. You uh, had sex with a girl um, our age when you were like 26. And he's like, I was 23. I'm like, that doesn't make it better. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe a little bit, but not by much. Uh, actually, it doesn't. No, it, either way, 23, 26, same thing. Um, yeah, so I guess he was convicted of statutory rape, and uh, they want him out of there, and he he gets clocked right in the eye, and just like, man, this fucking stupid. And uh, he takes his leave. Um, I don't really know what was going on. Like, what. I think this is. I knew he was going to come back around, clearly, um, but I didn't really... Like, Amanda was just... Or Lily was just kind of taking this in. I don't think she really gave it a second thought or anything. He comes up later, but... She, it just, just something that happens in the movie for her.
0: I think at this point in the story, it's all just happenstance. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she recalls him later on, and then he becomes important to the plot. But for now, it's all just, like, a happy coincidence. Um, so, yeah, he gets punched in the eye, and... Uh, throughout the rest of this movie except for the very end um, he has like a bruised eye <laughs> um, this poor guy gets pretty banged up in this movie um, but oh poor guy um, <laughs> um, Lily is heading out to leave the party and uh, I don't know something about the cinematography here almost made it feel like she was looking for him but I don't, I don't think that was the case I think it just looks like that because of the sequencing because we mm-hmm. cut immediately from him taking his leave to her walking out to her car where he just so happens to be um and he's doing some is he doing blow or what kind of drugs is he doing he's rolling a joint yeah he's doing something illegal (laughs) on her car um and then she she's very cagey with him she doesn't want to. she wants him to keep his distance and whatnot and um as she like gets into her car, he he attempts to come onto her. Yeah, well, actually, before like before and after. So like before she gets in the car, he's like making he's taking some swings, and then uh she gets into the car and he hangs out on her window. And uh, what's really strange? Well, what's really creepy about this is that it come everything he's saying comes across as being very practiced. This is something he's. This is an exchange he's done before. Yeah. Um, because this this is an example of. I don't know. I, an older man knowing how to attract a younger woman, mm-hmm. like a young a younger woman of means who wants an escape from from her you know, like affluent situation. So like he makes mention of boarding school being like a prison. He's like, that's why I dropped out because I'm a rebel. <laughs> it's like, I'm a bad boy. Don't you want a bad boy? Um. But then he talks about it as if it's like the best decision he's ever made in his life. Like like he said he has a little bit of like delusions of grandeur he has an inflated ego Uh, he mentions they dropped out and he loves it and like his parting line to her is i think he mentions that there are more billionaires under 30 than in any time in human history it's our time motherfucker (laughs) like yeah i'm pretty sure you're not included in in that thought but yeah
1: you you didn't invent fucking snapchat dude like there's a reason why they're that successful. younger well one of them uh definitely is not a billionaire anymore i can't think of her name the
0: oh theranos right? yes yeah. <laughs> like, she's not a billionaire <laughs> anymore dude uh yeah um this this line just this single line actually got my mind um going down some rabbit holes uh because this is like actually a genuine fear of mine in in the world as we as we know it is mm. a uh, generational gaps like i just feel like th- throughout all of hu- history like, like there's always going to be a conflict between the young and the old mm-hmm. Because that's just how that's just how human dynamics are but i feel like things are like heightened now where just the separation between those two those two groups is wider than ever and i don't know it's it's really easy to get i don't know swept up into tribalism and like it- Look at look at like things in terms of in like an us and them dynamic, mm-hmm. and you see that like touched upon, uh, a few other times in this movie where it's just like you can tell that, especially the young characters look at people, of a different generation than themselves as maybe less than human, um, and it's troubling because it, it's like a genuine fear of mine that like like people, people will turn against each other for petty things like that where it's like oh they they could never understand me it's like well if you don't make an effort then obviously no
1: <laughs> there's a louis ck bit uh comedy bit about the only thing keeping people from murdering each other is the law against murdering and uh, i've been i've I've had road rage incidents where i'm like yeah that's the only reason like the only reason why we're not murdering each other is because it's illegal <laughs> and the punishment <laughs> is severe <laughs> so we should just be thankful for that but i, I get where you i get where you're coming from um, I'm not. I'm
0: not articulating it well, but the point is, it's like there have been instances in, not American history, but in in mm. other cultures, where the young turned against the old and, like, tried to eliminate them <laughs> <laughs> because it was understood that it's like, oh, they don't underst- They they don't know the way forward. We do, um, so. Th- things like this it's like oh fuck i hope i hope the wrong people don't latch onto that as like a credo or something because that could turn real ugly real fast um but yeah we cut to dinner and uh this is lily her mom and mark sitting in the dining dining room i'm guessing like I'm, i don't know which dining room this might be a bruce wayne situation where mm-hmm. the, I, I don't think i've ever been in this room before <laughs> it's the dining room
1: that they never eat in except when they're all there which seems like it's very rare
0: very rare um and i did love that he they're they're eating like a full plated dinner and he just has a big He's jug of his juice, juice. <laughs> yeah he has two varieties of juice <laughs> yeah and uh, um,
1: amanda's looking at her our lily's looking at her phone and she just got like a dozen text messages um from lily and she just hasn't responded back it's just kind of a weird it's just a weird little dinner like nobody talks she's just kind of looking at her phone and they're kind of just looking at her
0: so oh. Yeah, I'm kind of amazed Mark didn't object to this. He seems like a no phones at the table kind of guy. Yeah. Uh, but then again, he doesn't seem like he gives any fucks about her, so not even as long as bit. you're not as long as you're not bothering me, whatever. But um I may as well bring this up now. Um I was wanting to save it for later, but um the framing of uh when Mark is in a lot of shots was really cool. Um he's almost always center frame and almost always uh, the other two characters in in this in the shot are on either side of him and a lot of times he's elevated as well Um, and in this scene in particular he's center frame not only is he center frame they have like plain wooden chairs he has a zebra striped chair Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, and when he's first introduced to uh, Amanda he I think he has to step down into the room Mm -hmm. Um, and then when we're watching tv he's standing again above them when they're sitting on the couch and they're both between him uh, it's really basic cinematic language but it's 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 a detail that I appreciate uh, it's kind of cool because it fits it it communicates a lot about his character that uh, unfortunately isn't really in the script or in like the sequences in the film Like it, it's, it's just basic film language that's meant to communicate stuff that actually isn't in the movie <laughs> um but then I think we cut to Lily trying to sleep amid the rumble of the ergometer. And uh, she wakes up, and the sound cuts out. Um, and then the next morning, she goes to visit Amanda, um, and she has a brief exchange with Amanda's mom. It's uh, like, what'd she do
1: to you? What do what'd you hear from What'd she do to you?
0: <laughs> yeah, that, that's her first question right away. Is like, what'd she do? <laughs> Who'd she kill? Um, and then uh, Amanda's mom takes her through the house, and uh, we see... Through through a door in the back of the house, like a man just standing in the backyard, just staring into the bushes. And yeah. Lily asks her, "What's she doing?" She's like, I don't know. <laughs> this is where her.
1: This is where the character started getting annoying to me. I don't like Aunt like when a character is self-aware like this, where they're like, "Yeah, I'm a sociopath. Apparently, I just have no feelings." It, it's I, I don't like it. Um, and this where she's staring into the woods. I'm like, okay, this is this is where it got stupid for me. I'm like, no, she's not doing that. Her character is absolutely not doing that. Is she laying up in her bed, staring at the ceiling, just completely, like, just withdrawn? Yeah, I can see that. Nobody just stands out in the back and just stares at the woods. This was, I didn't like this choice. (laughs)
0: Um, And then we we have an exchange on the couch. Um, It's kind of a nothing scene, but basically it just shows them kind of, like, finding each other again, just, like, hanging out on the couch watching TV. Yeah. Um, They have a dog. He's friendly looking. (laughs) Um, But then we go out to the pool, and apparently, I think it's at Amanda's house. Um, So they have a pool, and uh, we're having a breath-holding contest, um, which is, you know, things that kids do. Um, Yeah. I I could totally see myself doing this, to be honest. But um, Things take a turn, though, when it's Lily's turn, and she goes down to the bottom of the pool and holds her breath, and she starts to drown.
1: This is, I'm not buying this for a second. Um, if you start drowning yourself that first intake, like that first little bit, you're done, like you're shooting up out of there. Like you're not like oh oh I'm I'm gonna keep staying down here. No 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 no. Instincts kick in, your body shoots out of that water. You cannot will yourself to start drowning a little bit.
0: <laughs> I don't know, Kyle. Like you've never been a teenage girl. Like, mm. like you haven't felt the feels. <laughs> um But yeah, Lily starts to drown, and Amanda has to, like, dive down and yank her back up to the surface. And uh, this is shot really well. We get an underwater shot of of Lily's face, and uh, she starts to take in some water. And then uh, the camera rises up in time with her being pulled up to the surface, and it's all done again in one take. It's pretty cool looking. Um, And then we cut... To after she's recovered from all that, and uh, we're still at the pool, and Lily brings up murdering Mark again, uh, of her own volition, and Amanda give is kind of wishy-washy with her responses. They cut. Kind of, there's a little bit of a role reversal here, where Amanda's kind of like, "You want me to tell you no, we shouldn't do that, right?" And then the scene just kind of ends, like like it doesn't really go anywhere. But but it's out in the open now, and Lily's the one that's pushing the agenda. Um, And then we cut to uh, Lily with her mom, and uh, this is one of those instances you were saying about the diegetic and non-diegetic sound um, coming into play, where it sounds like either a clock ticking or a beat on the soundtrack, like on the the score for the movie, Um, but it's not until we get a reverse angle of the mom reading a piece of paper, and then we cut to the other angle of, of Lily watching her mom read this that we realize, oh, she's tapping a pen on the table. Mm-hmm. It's this repetitive rhythm that it's like, oh, that's kind of neat. Um, it, we get a lot it of. It, so
1: to- I was say, this is where we get a lot of information. Um, so she's she, she's written um, Lily's written a letter, and her mom's kind of looking through it. Uh, she kind of like says out loud some of the lines, and we learn that the reason why um, Lily's not in boarding school anymore is because she either accidentally or on purpose plagiarized something and was expelled for that and this is her letter writing them back so she can try to get in and i'm assuming this is a boarding school that's relatively close because uh, that's the other thing is i think that she does not want to go to a boarding school it wasn't her choice to go to a boarding school um so she might have done it on purpose to get kicked out so she could go closer and her mom's like listen um we've talked about it and uh we think you should go to this other boarding school that would be further away. She's like, no, I want to stay closer. And, she's like, and you can tell the mom's like, we we feel, meaning Mark feels, like you should do this other thing. She's like, why can't I go to this other school? Or like, or, uh, He's like, I can get back into the school. And Mark, uh, who we didn't know, is standing in the background in the other room. And uh, he just kind of pops in. He's like, because your dad wrote them a check. That's why you got in. You're going to this other school because I've already paid for it it's not a discussion like this isn't a this isn't a, this isn't a discussion it's happening. And I'm like man he's a dick.
0: <laughs> yeah, um by the way the school that they want her to go to is for kids with behavioral issues. Mm.
1: Um, did so her dad die? Is that? I feel like they were already well off. Did he leave her? Did they did he leave the family or did he pass away?
0: Uh, I'm almost positive he died. Okay. Because I seem to recall uh, she mentions his funeral. Um and she was with Amanda like after the funeral. mm mm-hmm. Mhm um but yeah uh the crazy music comes back on the score and uh this is immediately following that mo- that moment where mark has his rude comment about like hey your dad wrote them a check um and the music is like the energy level is through the roof and we get the shot of Lily storming into the garage and she loosens Mark's bike tire yeah nice um, and, yeah <laughs> and then, that's a
1: sociopath um, move and I believe Ari Shafir did something very similar to this to Bert Kreischer by punishing him he but if it if he had said yeah I was just playing a joke and he slipped him MDMA like I thought it'd be funny that would be one thing but he's like no 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 I wanted to punish you. I'm like, that is fucking insane that you would drug your friend, give him a DMA because you were angry at him. This is, a, this is a sociopath move, is doing
0: this. Yeah, that's one of those things where it's like, why couldn't you just punch me or something? <laughs> like, that would be so much better for everyone if you just, like, punch me in the face. <laughs> so th- I feel
1: like uh, w- we have a conversation, I'm not sure if it's, I think it's coming up next, uh, where, um, after, after we find Elf, uh, Find out that Mark falls off his bike, um, and he has the exchange with the mom. Um, I'll, I'll run to next. I want to talk about the uh, the conversation they have while while playing chess. But yeah, so uh, like kind of the, the uh, we get the she's emailing somebody. I'm guessing it's the girl she was talking to at the party, and she emails her like, "Hey, do you have pics of the horse?" And she's like brushing her teeth, and it comes back up, and she you know puts her toothbrush down. She goes in there, and Steph is sitting on the couch. I'm like, "Just cover your eyes. There, I don't think they're going to show anything." I think it's just gonna be communicated through facial expressions and music, and that's exactly how it's expressed. Like you can tell that it's horrific whatever happened, and she's kind of reacting to it. Um, next day, she's uh, Mark. You can see he's, he's like all bandaged up, and it's kind of funny. It's it's like a funny shot. Like oh, he fell off his fell off his bike, um, and her mom's like, "Mark, you can't go to work looking like that. Like being like nice about it. like you don't look good. Like you should stay home." Yeah. and he's like, I'm going, and she's like, no, 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 you should stay, he's like, he snaps at her, basically, and he, I I understand kind of where he's coming from, like, if you're already kind of frustrated, and you still need to go to work, or you still need to do something, and somebody's kind of bugging you about it, I get how you're just like, I'm doing it, just just stop, he goes too far, <laughs> he's being an absolute dick, and I'm guessing that's the straw that broke the camel's back for uh, Lily. She's like, "Oh, you're just mean to my mom!" Like, this is I gotta take care of this guy. Um, did you have anything you want to say about this? These chain 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 of events.
0: No, I'm just slowly piecing together piecing together the rhythm of things. Like, I'm really, folk laser focused on Lily as we're talking about because I I didn't really track it through my notes until we're going back over them. But uh, it seems like she has triggers. Mm-hmm. Like, espe- like there'll be instances, like this is the first time this comes up in the movie where Mark says something really cutting to her and what does she do? She physically reacts to it. Mm-hmm. Like, she takes it upon herself to escalate things in a very passive-aggressive <laughs> way, but she still assaults him in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, and it does seem to... F- like as I'm playing the movie back in my head it's like it does kind of follow that rhythm where yeah. it seems like every time he
1: she doesn't yeah she's either uncomfortable or doesn't get her way or something like that
0: she just she's she's kind of a brat yeah she's it, a brat in, a, in in a really violent way <laughs> yeah. Um so she I think she tries to like use her mom as justification where it's like oh I'm doing it for my mom it's like you don't really seem to relate to your mom that well, like yeah. your mom who is first introduced to us via a tanning bed and you shutting the door on her. Yeah. <laughs> End of conversation. Um, um, so yeah, I'm. I'm gonna keep coming back to that. I think as we as we talk well, about this,
1: there's a theme that I think the the horse is the theme throughout the uh, throughout the film. Clearly, but mm-hmm. the where she was talking about uh, he needs to be put down. She's like like a lame horse, and like at the beginning, and this is where I was like. Who's the lame horse in this story? Because we kind of have three people competing for it. We have a guy who's a dick who needs to be put down. We have a self-proclaimed sociopath who could probably be put down. And then we have one who doesn't realize that she's actually the piece of shit. And I was like, which way is this going to go? I was like, it could go, Mark ends up killing one of them. Um, Amanda ends up killing Lily, or Lily ends up killing both of them. Like I, I, it seems like it could go any which way. And I think this next scene where they're sitting in the courtyard and uh, Amanda's playing chess by herself, and she's just like, "He needs to deserve it. Like do, you, you're you're acting out of emo- like reacting out of emotion. Like you're not thinking about this logically. You're you just want to get back at him. Like it needs to be, it necessary. Like he necessarily needs to be killed." And I don't think that's where you're coming from right now. But yeah, I want this fucking chess set. This thing is awesome. Uh, it's
0: pretty fucking cool.
1: So it's, I guess it's like uh, just concrete uh, squares, and then the grass is the, I guess the black squares, and it's just a big stone chess set out in the court, out in the courtyard. It's awesome. I would love to have this.
0: Yeah, and you can hear from the the sounds. Uh, when Amanda moves the pieces, that these are heavy stone pieces. Like, it's not It's not like uh, we have at the Crossroads Mall in uh, Issaquah that's, like... You know, plastic. Hollow plastic. You yeah. Know. I love watching the old-timers play those boards. Ugh. They're always there, like, 24-7. <laughs> <laughs> like, they're always playing giant chess. They got a roll of
1: quarters, <laughs> like, on the side, like you do at a pool table in a bar. He's like, oh, nope, got the next two games. You see the roll of quarters? That's us.
0: Oh, it's a wonderful spectator sport, because you got the old-timers playing giant chess, and then like just 20 feet to your right is a whole bunch of nerds playing Magic the Gathering. (laughs) And they have tables reserved specifically for that. (laughs) I hope that mall never closes. Um, But yeah, uh, so Amanda is playing giant chess, and Lily's sitting in the foreground on a bench, and she has sunglasses on. Um, That's something I always pay attention to in movies, is when people hide their faces or hide their eyes. Um, a lot of times it's like a sign that the character's like going down a dark road or maybe taking on some inhuman characteristics or something.
1: Or they've got um, a beverage here or something. Or
0: they've, you know, or they had a rough night and it's too early in the morning for this fucking conversation. <laughs> um, or they're
1: Lebowski, yeah.
0: <laughs> um, and I don't remember the context exactly, but uh, Amanda has a line here that, and again, kind of like pinched a nerve for me it was similar to anton yelchin's line earlier in the movie about um thir- un billionaires under 30 um she in reference to her mom uh, she says something along the lines of like stuff like this happens when a person of weak moral character runs your household it's like damn like i mean there's no curse words in that sentence but damn that's really shitty to your mom because <laughs> like, yeah like, that's incredibly shitty to your, you know, your, your elder. But um, this is where we finally get the explanation of what happened with the horse. Yeah. Um, so Lily kind of probes Amanda about this. And Amanda explains that she tried to euthanize the horse who was a crippled horse. Like, they had broken their leg and was probably meant to be put down at this point. But um, Her mom didn't her, want to. Yeah, her mom had an emotional attachment to the horse named Honeymooner, by the way. Um, and she tried to euthanize the horse via drugs, but um, I guess she fucked up the dosage or just she said the black incorrect.
1: the the potency of black market drugs is is inconsistent. So she just wasn't whatever she got wasn't good enough.
0: Yeah, and then another line that again like pinched the exact same nerve and really is it's just something that unnerves me in particular is she she mentions that she googled methods of execution.
1: Yeah. So one thing about breadcrumbs, I'm like. As we're moving forward with this, then they haven't thought these things through. One thing is to not do not Google that, especially on your account. Uh, don't don't, <laughs> the do <government>. <laughs> don't do that. Don't do that. And then as we move along with the plan as it's coming up, I'm like, you guys made some mistakes here. Um, but yeah, uh, she tells her, yeah, I. Then she's like, yeah, it didn't work, so I had to like look up the methods of execution, and she had to go through this long process of like like paralyzing the horse and trying to cut a certain artery so it'd bleed out or something like
0: so she she looked up a method of execution she fixated on one is apparently a mexican way of not killing a horse just paralyzing it mm -hmm. and they use a particular knife called a puntilla which she doesn't have yeah but she was referencing this particular method of paralyzing a horse and the reason why this phrase triggers me so much and pisses me off is because this is exactly why young people would look at older people as and dismiss them. It's because why do wisdom does wisdom has no value if I can google everything. Yeah. If I can if I can have knowledge ad hoc on demand, then why do I actually need to know anything? Why do I need experience if I if anything I need to do I can reference on the fly.
1: Yeah, but that lack of wisdom is also why she chose a fucking shitty kitchen knife, and maybe there was a reason why it has to be that specific. And knife. also
0: why they paid a lot of money to a a shitty drug dealer child rapist. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, maybe that's th- maybe th- that, thinking that would work out. <laughs> I
1: think that's the significance significance of the katana. Now is when she goes into the. I'm, I'm assuming the knife that she needed was probably very big and very sharp. Um,
0: yeah, it's, yeah, it was like a long curved blade.
1: Yeah. So maybe she was looking at the katana like, "Oh, I could have used this." That's where I, I messed up. That that makes Good the katana call. significant.
0: Good call, Kyle. I, wow, I hadn't noticed that. But yeah, I think I think you're right because um, she was definitely still fixated on the horse at that point in the story. Mm. Um, but yeah, we get this this slow zoom on Lily's face as Amanda's recalling the details of this, and it sounds incredibly grisly. Yeah, like it sounds. It sounds like. Uh, she had to put in some work like she probably her forearms probably looked like Popeye after she was done with this because it sounds like it sounds like she pretty much sawed this horse's head off with a fucking pocket knife
1: yeah I I mean it sounds sincere that was what like Steph was like is she making this up I'm like honestly I think she's telling the truth like I think she has enough she has the ability to remove herself emotionally from the situation but she was uh, aware that it needed to happen and I don't think she enjoyed doing it to the horse. I think she just felt it was necessary. And it kind of sucks that she had to do that. She she says that she had an emotional attachment to this animal she's known her whole life as well. Yeah,
0: yeah. no, I mean, that's why she went to all this effort to do it, is because she, she felt it was something that needed to be done. She loved the horse on some level. But <laughs> um, with apologies to anyone who might be on the Adderall or be an advocate for the Adderall, um, she had another line that triggered me here. It was a... Uh, I just put my head down and looked at it as completing a task. Yeah. Like, God damn it. <laughs> like like, like that, I, I hate to say it, but I've come across more than a few people in my life that that's, that's how they look at like human interaction a lot of ways. It's yeah. like, God, you're such a fucking robot. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, we get a moment here where uh, Lily is still trying to push this idea of murdering Mark, Um, And Amanda kind of pushes back a little bit, Mm -hmm. she actually, like, physically tries to remove herself from the area, like, she storms off a little bit, and Lily pursues her, and Amanda gets in her face and says, like, I'm awaiting trial for animal cruelty, I probably am not the right person to do what you're asking me to do, i.e. murder Mark. Um, And there is a little bit of a comedic beat here, like a a darkly comedic beat, but um, her tone and her body language, Amanda, makes it seem like she's offended. That she's been asked to kill Mark, like, mm-hmm. like, how dare you ask me that or something like that. Um, but it's implied, you know, yeah. It's implied, yeah, that that she's resisting a little bit. Um, but if you actually pay attention to what what is being said here, she's actually just like telling Lily, "You're going about it the wrong way. Yeah. <laughs> like, instead of talking about murdering Mark, we should be focusing on developing airtight alibis before we do it." Yeah. Cut to chapter three.
1: Um. yeah they go to a they go to a nursing home and I was kind of confused at this time. I'm like what are they gonna do here um This seems kind of odd like they're talking to the lady at the nursing home they're like yeah we're here to visit a friend of ours or some lady that we know and they didn't think this far ahead which again kind of speaks to their age. Um, they're pretty young so like yeah well who are you here to see and they're like, uh, buh, 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 buh. And they kind of look down at some letters, and then uh, Amanda's just like Miss Jones, like just bust it out. Yeah. And I I couldn't tell if this was code for something or if they just like pulled a name out of there. Like Miss Jones, that's a common enough name. And it it's like the girls had just said F five to this lady, cause she just kind of looks at them like it's the finger of God. Uh, <laughs> it's it's, it's <laughs> uh she just like points down a hallway I'm like I, I wasn't quite sure it was happening but yeah they, they move through this nursing home they go through like the cafeteria they're just making their way through um, pretty confident and I'm like oh okay they're going to find Anton who is washing dishes in uh, in the nursing home um, uh, the nursing home um, kitchen
2: there
0: <laughs> yeah I, I like the shot when we, when we find him it's like the two girls walk into the kitchen area and then the camera zips past them and like zooms in on the back of his head doing the dishes he looks like he's kind of dancing to the music like he's mm. having a good time um but then when the camera gets right behind his head he does this like sheepish look over his shoulder like like almost as if like jason Voorhees is just like walked into the room and he's like oh he's behind me isn't he <laughs> yeah <laughs> but he looks pretty much directly into the camera it's a cute shot but um cut to his van and we're all sitting in there with him the two girls and him and we're like interrogating him We're yeah. these two girls are bullying this guy <laughs> like it's like rapid fire dialogue um it's all de- it's all delivered very flatly it's kind of like that I think it's supposed to be like that dry British style of humor where it's like a very flat delivery but like very fast paced and not my not my particular cup of tea when it comes to comedic dialogue um But it's an interesting exchange here because the dynamic is definitely like two young young women of slight build, like verbally harassing like an older man in his own vehicle.
1: (laughs) I mean, it'll come up later of why he's kind of kind of like this. But I feel so bad for his like this character like just made all the wrong decisions early in life and just never course corrected. And like you can just like. He, he's talking about like he's he's a drug dealer and they're like this is a pretty stupid job he's like just wait in like five maybe ten years i'm gonna be running the east coast drug operation gonna be running this game and you're just like no dude you're never you're never gonna do anything of significance and like he's probably like older than us at the, like probably our age at this point like he's in that his early sense. 30s i'd say um, yeah, it, it, my heart just breaks, but he's playing this character really well. Um, and I'm glad that, I'm not glad that this is his last movie, but I'm like, at least this is a, a, a noteworthy performance for him. Like, he, he does a good job here. Um,
0: yeah, well, he's asked to do a really difficult thing in that he's supposed to be sympathetic, but he's also supposed to be slimy mm-hmm. and, like, a little bit off-putting, but you really do feel for the guy. Yeah. Um, and he definitely has that in his toolkit. Like, mm-hmm. like in Green Room in particular, it's like, you... Like you said, when he's getting his arm slashed up, you you feel it. <laughs> you feel
1: it. Yeah. Uh, um, but they they ask him um, ask him if they have he ha- ah they ask him if he has a gun. He's like, what does that matter? And Amanda's like, he's got one. Um, and you notice how kind of Lily's kind of mimicking Amanda a little bit, like she's taking on her persona, like just a little bit, um, which is interesting because I feel like Lily's the bigger side, uh, bigger psychopath as we move along. Um,
0: i undoubtedly yeah like undoubtedly because she's actually dangerous yeah Ama- she's amanda i don't think amanda would harm anyone unless unless she was euthanizing someone or something like unless, okay. she th- unless she felt it was like necessary or something lily is petty
1: i feel like hannibal lecter's kind of like that he's cal- like he does he does have some like a collateral damage uh like the nurse he bites her tongue. Uh, but he's also like really nice to Barney, and he does not going to come after Barney as the the, the films go on. He uh, kills people for being rude, uh, in particular, um, and that's how I feel. Um, Amanda is like it's calculated. It's like no, there's a reason behind this. Whereas Lily's is like I just want my way. Like she she's just a brat. Um, yeah. But yeah, they there's some toying back and forth here. He's like I've got a gun. He doesn't have a gun. I've got a gun. And she's like, "Well, if you got a gun, she's got a business proposition for you." I'm like, "Oh, I'm like, where is this gonna go?" This sequence was a little drawn out, uh, but I kind of liked, I liked his reaction, like him just standing outside this house in awe. Like it's a, it's a gorgeous house. I love a big house with ivy on it. I don't know what it is about it. You give me a white house with exposed brick, like you can see the paint chipping away with ivy on the side. Done. That's my house. I would love that house. Um, this doesn't have the doesn't have the paint, but it has the ivy. But yeah, he um, he gets into the house and he's like, there's uh, is it like an opera kind of playing in Ave the background? Maria. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's Ave Maria, and yeah. he's just like walking through this place. Now, um, they call him out while they're in the car, and they said. He's like, you don't know where I've been, man. Like, you don't know who I am. And she's like, you're from fucking Westchester. That's a fucking a well-to-do, uh, well-to-do community. It's like you um, went like, to
0: high school with Triple H. Yeah, like, <laughs>
1: like you're from a rich neighborhood. You're just a rich kid who just couldn't hack it. Like, you just you suck. Um, but this this sequence, I'm like, maybe he's not. Maybe he maybe he grew up in this area, but he just wasn't a part of a like. He went to the same schools as all these rich kids, but he wasn't a rich kid. And maybe that's why he had trouble in school and had to drop out. But him going through this house, he's just, like, in awe of everything. He's just, like, going through, like, checking out all the rooms. He goes to the car, and he's, like, to like, just feeling the car. I'm guessing it's, like, some kind of classic Ferrari or something, some kind of car that's never driven, basically. And I do like where he's, like going up against the like the there's like a wall like a like a table and there's like a mirror behind it and they kind of just like are you fucking done <laughs> are you done touching yeah, the, the house the dude? music
0: the music cuts the moment they they call out to him it's pretty it's good timing yeah it's and good and also it needs to be said as he's like going through the house and like smelling the soap and caressing the car and stuff this is like the only slow motion in the entire movie Mm-hmm. um but yeah his his fantasy is abruptly cut short when lily calls him over and we walk through the plan which is really not a plan um it's terrible yeah <laughs> it's, this is like an awful the, plan yeah this is an awful plan so we're in like the living room or something akin to a living room i don't know i don't know mansion layouts but um basically they have a a, a bay window i guess and uh idea is they want him to break the window to make a noise in that room and then uh shoot Mark. <laughs> that's yeah. about it. It's like, that's a plan. doesn't okay. sound like a plan at all.
1: Well, I don't think, I think they're thinking that he's dumb enough to do it if they offer him enough money, but he's also going to get caught because first of all, I'm like footprints. Uh, you two are actually seen going into his place of work and looking for him. Like they have cameras in that place. They're going to know that you went in there and went back, didn't talk to him. And they're going to see you going into his car out in the parking lot. Uh, so you've left a bad trail here. I'm like, they're not really thinking this through. Um, yeah,
0: and he, he gets in Amanda's face, and he's like rattling off reasons why he shouldn't do things the way they wanted him to do it. Yeah, and, and they're all keeps, sufficient. She has responses to all of it, but they're not good ones. They're no, just like,
1: they're just responses.
0: Yes. Um, and it's funny, as you're talking, like as we're walking through this scene, it's like I'm starting to go down a certain path in my head, and I'm thinking to myself that his character, it's important for him to be here. Because this is an example of a character who we just got to see him, like, live his fantasy in his mind. He's always talking about, like, you know, making it. Making it big. And, like, he, he has high ambitions for himself and whatnot. So this is him in exactly where he wants to be, having all of his goals within arm's reach. They offer him $100,000 to do this. That's a lot for a guy with not a lot. Yeah. Um, that's a lot for... That's a lot for anyone. Most <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but as we'll find by the time we get to the end of this movie, he doesn't go through with it because unlike these two other characters, he has a moral conscience and and, a lot to lose and a lot to lose. And I think it's important to frame things in that way where it's like, we have this character who on the, on the surface seems like a sleazebag and seems like just a waste of a human being, but it's like, he has enough empathy within him to understand that, you know, killing someone for money maybe is not a, maybe not a wise decision to make. Yeah. Um, but it's like it's a it's like a shining example of maybe why he isn't as successful as he, he really wants to be. It's because he, he can't cross that barrier. He can't cross that threshold.
1: And I don't think they're good for this money. Where I mean, honestly, I think they could probably get a hold of a hundred thousand dollars, but how? Exactly. How could they I possibly mean, get a hold their, of their
0: parents 000? would track all that money. I mean yeah, hundred thousand dollars doesn't just disappear. No. No, it
1: does not. Unless uh, yeah. you have
0: an obscene amount of money. <laughs> yeah, um,
1: Yeah. and Amanda, he, like, he kind of tries to take on Amanda, but she's dressing him down, basically. She's just like, listen, you're a piece of shit. Um, they, they're going to blackmail him, basically. Like, they've recorded this conversation, and he's like, why would you think I would do it? And he's like, you're going to blackmail me into doing this, basically? They,
0: they recorded a, a drug deal that they did in his van. Mm, okay, there we go. So it their conversation with him before the talk of the murder, I guess, off-screen was, sell us drugs. They recorded it, so now they effectively are, like, twisting his arm to doing exactly what they want. Um, Yeah, some of the stuff Amanda says to him here is really really cutting. Um, She says, you're clearly selling to minors because you don't want to deal with the real dealers, and the only reason you had sex with a child is because you were too afraid to talk to anyone your own age. And it's like... Is this don't what kid, say that to a guy with a gun because yeah. <laughs> I know you're right but he has a gun
1: <laughs> is this what the kids call savage is this what the term savage is it's just like you're just brutally honest with people I am mean, like you're just rude like this is you're just a rude person like it's not you're not doing anything like brave like you're just an asshole like there's nothing like, cool ne- about who it who
0: needs empathy if all your communication is done through a computer screen <laughs> yeah that's true <laughs> it's a uh, it's De-evolution, Kyle. Mm. Trending away from empathy.
1: We gotta bring back bullying. Um. Yeah. <laughs> make bullying great. Again. Make bullying great again.
0: Yeah. Make splatter great again, and make bullying great again. We got cha- the this, food chain this,
1: has changed drastically. Uh.
0: This uh, this escalates to a physical altercation. Uh, we have a bit of a scuffle here, yeah. and uh, we're all fighting for the gun, which uh, Lily gets a hold of, and she puts to, to Anton Yelchin Tim's head. And he keeps repeating to her that's like, not in a million years would you ever pull the trigger. Like even if we were on a desert island and there was no chance anyone would ever know, you you wouldn't pull that trigger. And I don't know, man, <laughs> but but she doesn't pull the trigger. Uh, instead, Amanda comes up from behind and uh, smashes a lamp over the top of his head.
1: Yeah, I mean it must have been a really nice lamp because the damage it does to him is substantial. Like if she fucked him up. Um, Because it knocks him out. Like, if you get hit in the head hard enough and it knocks you out, like, that's not good. You shouldn't go to sleep after that. Like, you might have a concussion. It's a pretty good hit.
0: I mean, we see the aftermath, and, yeah, he's pretty severely fucked up. Um, And he's
1: dazed. Like, he's in, like, the bathtub, and he's just like,
0: whoa, man. I did, like, Amanda's line after she hits him with the lamp. She tells Lily, I, I didn't write it down verbatim, but it's basically, like, it's like you can be disingenuous, you can be overly kind, um, but the very worst thing you can do is be indecisive.
1: Nope, um, that's not true at all. Um, yeah. that's not that's not a thing. You should be thorough in thinking things out, thinking things through. So don't listen to this girl.
0: Should be, but you know, yeah. teenagers, man. <laughs> you, can't, you
1: can't you can't think first. You can't hesitate for a second, man. You got to you got commit to it. Like, what are we talking about here? Murdering somebody? T-
0: how many times are we gonna call back to Joe Rogan today, Kyle? <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> you can't, you can't, you can't hesitate, bruh.
1: <laughs> you can't hesitate, man. You gotta just go for it. You just, you gotta go for it. You keep your, keep your eye on it, man. You don't think Embrace about. Embrace
0: the grind, bruh. Embrace the grind. <laughs> Jesus. Um. But yeah. Uh, it- cut to Anton Yelchin in a bathtub and he is just coming to and I don't know what they made this bandage of on his head but it looks like a diaper strapped to his head he needs his friend poorly. from
1: Green Room to duct tape it. I think that would be better
0: Yeah, this is a makeshift bandage oh, of some sort.
1: speaking of which, I think that this movie would have been a little bit better and I think she would have pulled it off really well. Do you remember uh, Have you ever seen Arrested Development? No, I haven't. Okay so, uh, you'll you'll know this girl. She was from Green Room. She was the girl in the band. Uh, Aaliyah uh, Shaquette? Shaquette? Okay, Shaquette? Yeah, I um, remember her face. Yeah, she's got all the freckles and the frizzy hair. Yeah. I, I think she would have played Amanda very well. Uh, she's popped up in a few other things. Um, she was on like, Broad City for a minute. Um, I've seen a couple of other movies with her in it. Um, I think she would have played this character really well. But I think she's a little too old to be playing this age. If this had been done earlier, I think she would have hit it out of the park. Because she... She she has a like she can have that dead eyed look to her. I think she would have done a pretty good job here.
0: Yeah, I I can totally see that actually. Um, one thing that this uh, Olivia Cook gal has going for her is uh, she has like a very deep voice. Um, yes, for a, yes. For a very small woman, um, I, I mean, it says here on her filmography that she was in Ready Player One. Yeah. Um, but, he, I mean. Nobody stood out to me in that movie whatsoever. That movie is just like it's, bar- it's barely people. Yeah, it, it's it's not an actor's movie. Um, but it looks like she has a, a growing filmography. She's on the rise. Um, but she's she's doing like one or two movies a year. So I wouldn't be surprised if she becomes kind of a big deal down the mm. road.
1: I oh, don't know. She's in an Amazon original. Oh,
0: oh maybe not. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> but she'll be on her way out. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I thought she played this role well, but, um, yeah, I could totally see, I could totally see the gal from Green room taking on this role and doing just fine with it. Um, but yeah, Anton Yelchin is in this bathtub and his head is bleeding pretty badly. Yeah. Um, they give, they toss him some Vicodin and his acting here is really good. Cause like he's practically in tears when he comes to, mm-hmm. and his first reaction is he touches his hand to his head and there's like blood all over his palm and he's, Pretty much in tears and he just like whimpers like a child, like what am I gonna tell my dad? Yeah, it's easy and, to
1: and it's easy to act and seem tough when it's when you're like just dealing with high schoolers. Like you have a persona around them, like, Oh, he's a bad guy, he sells drugs and she calls him out, I think it's even in this scene where she's like, There's a reason why you're not gonna be successful, it's because you're too afraid to get into that game. You're just gonna keep selling to high schoolers. You don't have the stomach for it, you're not gonna you're not gonna do shit. Um, and she's right he's never going to crack into the big game because that's super dangerous
0: no and nor should he (laughs) no but but this was just a very revealing moment where like their response is like well why should that matter because remember these are these are two young young gals that hate their families Mm -hmm. and this is a guy who we don't know what we don't know what his living situation is exactly but I I, I would bet money that he has a better relationship with his parents than they do.
1: Well he lives with his dad, as he says, but he says, I'm gonna get like this is what I want from my family. I'm gonna I'm gonna get into the drug game and make enough money that I'm gonna provide this for my family. So yeah. It's a complete they're completely different worlds.
0: Yeah, and his response to them saying like, Well, what does that matter? Because from their perspective it's like if they if they showed up with like a head wound or something they're probably of the mind that their parents would not even notice. Yeah. In fact, in fact, they would probably do something like that to get noticed. Whereas in his case, his reaction is to like get kind of venomous with them and be like, because I live with him and this yeah. is not a good look. <laughs> um, but yeah, this is a really, I don't know, I felt really bad for him. I've had a lot of mm-hmm. empathy for him and credit to him as an actor. Um, and he, he wants out like he you know he's got a severe head wound he he came into the situation already with a fucking black eye (laughs) and and he's being blackmailed by blackmailed by two rich snotty snotty kids and uh they're unbelievably cruel to him and then uh basically we uh established the i guess the the timetable for this arrangement so they're telling him like oh it's got to be this weekend uh, because um, Lily's gonna be at a spa with her mom, and Mark's gonna be home alone, and Anton Yelchin's response is like, "Can we at least wait for the fucking hole in my head to close?" Yeah, pretty good. <laughs> nope, like, That's three days. I'm like, nope, it's gotta be this weekend. And again, everything's delivered in these flat tones. It's, I think, it's meant to be funnier than it comes across. But uh, we cut immediately to the spa weekend, and it's it's the fanciest of fancy spas. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're wearing bath towels. Everything is white. Um, we're eating plates of food that consist of just like a little dollop of something in the center yeah. of, of a very large plate. Um, we got French music in the background, um, and I noticed here uh, the cinematography. Um, Lily and her mom are sitting down to dinner, and the seating arrangement is uh, for dining anyway is identical to when they were eating with Mark, just mm. minus Mark. So yeah. Lily in the right of the frame, mom on the left. Um, and Lily's getting her feet washed, and we start cutting back and forth uh, between her at the spa and uh, Mark at home. And uh, Mark is at home awake in bed, by the way. Um, and we get to see these really tightly framed shots, so we don't actually see a person in the shot, but um, the like motion tracker light on the front lawn keeps flicking on and off. Um, and we can tell just based on the texture of the exterior of the house that, that that's the mansion, that's where yeah, Mark lives. They
1: didn't think about that at all. Like, do you think about, like, are there spr- is there a sprinkler system? Does it go off at night? Is there automatic lights? Is there an alarm that you don't know about? All this stuff. Come on, have you never thought about breaking into somebody's house and killing them? Jesus.
0: <laughs> Jesus. Jesus. Get together. Um, and uh, we also see someone retrieve the pistol from the grill. Um and then we cut back to Mark, and he sees the motion tracker light, and he heads downstairs, and he does the classic rich, rich white guy move of grabbing a fireplace poker as the first mm-hmm. weapon of choice, because, A, you need to have a fireplace yeah. <laughs> in order to have a fireplace poker, which means you're, you're living in a nice house or whatever. Um, but, but and then B, you know, white guy, sure seems like a good choice, even though you have a katana like right over there. Like, <laughs> um, but See, then. Uh, Go ahead.
1: I was going to say, I thought there was going to be a twist and turn here. Um, while they're at the spa, um, Lily is like getting her nails done by this, this lady, and she looks down, and it's Mark doing it, and she's like, you can tell it's just communicating to us that she's feeling guilty, or this whole thing is stressing her out, and it's on her mind. He's clearly not there. Um, but, yeah, we we just kind of cut out of him in the house, looking out the window, and um, she's standing at like the spa front counter, it seems, and we assume that she's hallucinating mark like throughout like throughout the spa or something and he walks up and he's like very it's very like scary like very slowly coming up behind her mom and like putting his hands over her yeah. eyes it kind of startles her and it's like oh shit mark's there like he's actually at the spa and mm-hmm. we're like whoa what the fuck happened this was a twist for me cuz i thought it was going to be Um, I thought Amanda was going to go in and kill them both. Like, she was going to wait for Anton to do it and then kill him and have it set up to where it seemed like they killed each other by accident to, like, take care of the whole thing. But, no, I was disappointed.
0: I was expecting uh, Tim to get killed by Mark. Mm. I I thought that might happen, too. Yeah, I was expecting that um, we get something very different, though. Uh, so yeah, uh, we cut from the spa and the music, the soundtrack was fucking nuts here. Um, and it abruptly cuts out when we cut to uh, Lily opening the grill back at her house um, to find that the pistol's not there. Um, so what this tells her is that, well, Mark is still alive and the gun is not there, which means Tim came by and swiped it without doing what he was asked to do. So she's understandably a little peeved. Um, and she has a little bit of a flip out here. Um, she storms into the house and, uh, she, without thinking, uh, she pulls some cigarettes mm-hmm. out of a out of a drawer in the kitchen. She starts smoking in this beautiful mansion. <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure Mark has a problem with that. Like, <laughs>
1: yeah, and she and a uh, little uh, Amanda even says something. She's like, "You're not, you're not thinking logically here." Like, she's like, "What are we gonna do? Like, like what can we?" do? She's like, "There's nothing we can do about this. We're not gonna like scour the earth trying to find him or whatever." and uh, I guess they're not going to go through with, like, reporting him. Like, it, I guess it's kind of mute at this point. Um, and, yeah, she's smoking in... He's like, you're smoking in 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 a in, indoors. Like, this isn't a place where you do that. And I think kind of bring back that idea of, like, she would need, like, she would have to have a gash in the back of her head for them to notice her. And I think that's kind of playing into this, too. Like, she might... She needs somebody to ask her what's wrong. She needs her mom to ask her, like, hey... Is there something bothering you? Why else would she be smoking in the house? Yeah, it just seems like a, a strange choice for someone like this.
0: Yeah, it's it's definitely like a cry for help in yeah. some ways. Um, and Amanda does mention that she... she This is where she comes forward with the fact that she did that little bit of research into Lily's like schooling situation and the fact that she doesn't actually have an internship. So she's, she's not as successful or as... In life, anyway, as she pretends to be um and lily actually just grabs a knife out of the drawer um i think when uh, they hear a commotion outside and yeah, mark it's, came it's home. mark mark coming home and amanda runs out to check if it's him and in the meantime though lily has pulled a a knife out and it's not i guess not in the good headspace right now but um like oh shit they're gonna do it
1: themselves i'm like
0: all right here we go I mean I was fully prepared for that to be yeah. the the climax of this movie is like if, if we're going to have a movie about arrogant young people making bad choices, this is the worst choice. <laughs> so. People with
1: impulse control, yeah. This seems like the yeah. time to do it.
0: Yeah, uh, so we get a really lovely tracking shot following Mark entering the house and walking through it and there's this really neat little bit where you can see Amanda like posted up in a door frame out of his out of his line of sight, holding the knife. Um, so she keeps herself hidden this whole time, and he walks into the kitchen to find Lily smoking. She hasn't bothered to try to hide it or anything. And again, like you said, this comes across as like she wants herself to be. She's drawing attention to herself in some way. Um, and oh fuck, he snatches this from her. Like yeah. her reaction to this is like yeah. Ooh.
1: The, the, her 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 response to things is interesting because she. Like I said earlier, um, when she goes for a hug, she, like, snaps back real quick. The other thing was when she's talking to um, – she, she does another thing where she kind of jumps. Whenever Anton, we didn't talk about, it, he pulls out the gun, like, abruptly, and it, it, like, scares her. Like, she jumps back really quick. Um, she's like a dog almost. Like, if you ever, like, move too quick next to a dog, like, they just skid, like skid, like just her really fast. Um, he goes to take her from her. She, like, shrieks or whatever. Like, he doesn't burn well, he, her with it.
0: No, he yanks her wrist like he actually does like twist it pretty hard (laughs) and the reaction is to like oh yeah shudder like oh fuck (laughs) um i was really glad actually that um the story i was really concerned because i did notice the thing about her body language um especially with the hug in the beginning like i was really concerned that this was going to be about like an abusive situation or something i I thought i thought he was about to make a move on her yeah, everything ab- everything about the marketing of this movie suggested it was more fun than than that and i was really hoping that would be the case and thankfully, <laughs> it was no like i you know you you watch movies for certain reasons that's where advertising is important is you need to make it known that this is what you're getting therefore you can create the expectation and then the payoff and thankfully that isn't the case like no. we don't get any inkling that like this is like a stepdad abusing his daughter or something but I don't know. Maybe maybe it was like an early draft of the script or something. And it was left in, but
1: all you need all all you would need to completely change, like just the situation, is to him to like, kind of cop a feel. Like you add in a five, just a five second shot shot of that, and it completely changes the dynamic of the film entirely. Oh yeah, just That's do a
0: thing need. where like he's reaching behind her and he just like leans in too close or something.
1: Yeah. If you had that, like it could have just been that, and you remove it, it 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 would have been perfect if it was like test audiences didn't like it because of that. Like all you have to do is that one scene and yep. the movie changes.
0: And I, I for one appreciate that. Cause it. No. This I don't is think that, that happened, but I'm just it saying like, need that.
1: like how this is put together. Cause there's no real motivation for her to want to kill him aside from him being a dick. If you just one tiny little scene that would have completely done it.
0: Well, what what's been really fun about talking about this and has kind of like saved the movie in my eyes and in a, in a in a, little, in a small way is that I'm starting to realize that yes, from our standpoint, there is no motivation to kill Mark. From Lily's standpoint, it all makes sense. <laughs> like, yeah. Because she's petty and she's a brat and human life apparently doesn't mean that much to her.
1: He's a dick and um, he has a rowing machine that makes noise yeah that's you're not you are not going to (laughs) be equipped for the real world because if you have an
0: apartment (laughs) no this would be one of those people that like puts their baby in the microwave or something it's like stop.
1: couldn't (laughs) handle the stress
0: yeah um but yeah uh, he yanks the cigarette from her hand and he like twists her wrist and um this is where we have an exchange of dialogue that is just excellent um it's mostly Mm. just mark talking at her but he is laying down the business um I wrote down a few choice quotes from this. Um, she asks him to leave her mother. She's like, "Leave!" Like that's how she says it. Like her her verbal communication skills are a little lacking in this moment. But she demands that he leave her mother, and he just looks her dead in the eyes and he says, "You couldn't possibly understand someone else's point of view." Yeah. It's like we're all your maids, aren't we? Like ev- everyone that isn't you. Like we're all we all exist to serve you in some capacity. <laughs> And uh, he stares at her for a second. She doesn't really have a retort to this. And then he just pauses and he says, put all the shit in your lungs that you want. Uh, We need to stop protecting you. Life needs to knock you around a little bit. And I was Mm -hmm. like, damn, that is 100% true. (laughs) Yeah. Uh,
1: I remember I I didn't have quite as severe of a moment with my parents, but I remember it was just like, are you gonna keep smoking? I was underage. I was like seventeen. He's like, "Are you gonna keep smoking?" And I'm like, "Yeah." And he's like, "Well, pick up your butts out of the yard." It was kind of like them checking it off. They're like, "You know what? You're almost done with high school. We're done. You've we've we've reared you as best as we can. To the best of our knowledge, you are on your own now." And this is that moment. It's a bit more brutal because uh, <laughs> yeah, he's like, "You're after this. You're cut off. Like you're gonna you're gonna send you to the school, and then then this is all done." So uh, yeah, and it's just. She doesn't react well to this. Uh, she had this coming, by the way, and I, th- I, I don't feel bad for her at all. I'm like, yeah, no. he, he was just, he was brutally honest, but she's like, she breaks down crying, and uh, Lily comes into the room. She's like, wow, well, you're doing the technique. She's like, no, I'm having an emotional reaction to what just happened. She's like, and she snaps at her like, you're just gonna let him talk to me like that. I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Like you're, you needed that. You need someone to put you in check at some point as a teenager, and you just got it welcome
0: <laughs> yeah uh, amanda makes it no it's like you know i don't i didn't think it was warranted <laughs> for yeah. me to jump out and stab a guy for saying the truth yeah yes. um yeah this is where lily does mention that uh um she does mention when her dad her biological father passed and oh I guess, okay i guess it was like the drive home after like after the funeral that she and amanda were together and uh, she asked amanda like when when we're holding each other in the back seat after my dad's funeral and you were crying, were were you using the technique then? And Amanda just flatly says, "Yeah, well, yeah." <laughs> Chapter four. <laughs> Chapter four,
1: and that's yeah. Um, yeah. I didn't even realize that. That makes so much more sense going into the scene. I didn't catch that. Uh, I think the dogs were barking or something, and I didn't I didn't notice that. I noticed I heard her ask about the technique, but I didn't know what what it was in regards to.
0: There's a. Uh, there's a line that's about to come up here in the next couple of scenes that I'm, I'm going to call attention to, okay. so i put a pin in that. Um, so Chapter 4 opens with Mark playing tennis, and uh, we have a shot of him looking over his shoulder, way back over mm-hmm. his shoulder, because this is a fucking mansion. We have a tennis court nearby. <laughs> 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 and Lily is just creepily watching him at a distance. Um, cut to the evening. And we're having a movie night. Watching Shirley is Temple. Yeah, we were watching Shirley Temple. Was it like a uh, little princess or something? I'm
1: assuming that this is kind of mirroring mirroring uh, her situation, where it looks like it's Shirley Temple's mom, and she's dating a new dude who's probably well off, and she's like a poor girl who's going into a rich guy, going going to be taken uh, taken into a rich guy's house kind of deal. I so think it's supposed to be mirroring thing, the scene.
0: One thing that I may be reading too much into, but I really thought this was neat. If if I'm correct. Um, so we're having movie night just like before we're watching a, an oldie a black and white movie uh, it's the two girls sitting on the couch um and we have switched places so mm-hmm. the first time we did this lily was in the left of the frame on the couch and this time amanda's on the left
1: i didn't notice that but now that i'm thinking like yeah they're in completely different spots now
0: complete opposite and it's symbolic I'm are they sure
1: are they also sitting uh, further away from each other? Because I Much feel like they were away. they were a little bit closer each time we see them on the couch.
2: Yeah,
0: this like when when we reunite when we have that moment where she visits Amanda at her her mom's house, mm. we're sitting like thigh to thigh on the couch.
1: This is also uh, I I was thinking about this while I was watching it. I'm like, this is what teen this is what being a teenager is in your off time. Like you're just on a like generally if you're not doing like homework or sports or anything like that. You're just stuck sitting on a couch. You can't go do anything, really. Like, you're just... That's what you do. Yep. You, you're <laughs> just there on the couch. And that's... A lot of them hanging out is just that. Them on the couch.
0: Yeah. Um, which, again, there's a line coming up that... Keep that in mind. Um, so, we're sitting on the couch opposite places, as before. And uh, the ergometer starts up. So, we hear that rumbling on the on the soundtrack. And... Uh, lily asks amanda about like life being worth living and amanda is not quite certain what she's asking but she's like your life in particular not just like life as a general concept and uh amanda i don't even think she really has a good answer for it but it it sounds like she she's kind of turning it over in her head like i'm not really sure how to answer that um but during this exchange uh amanda starts to drink from her like juice glass or whatever and Lily like lunges forward and says don't drink it like I, I roofied it <laughs> like she put rohypnol in the drink and she asks Amanda like don't drink it I, I had a, I had a plan of like drugging you and then like killing Mark and then putting the knife in your hand and like framing you for it um, and then there's a, a beat that passes and Amanda chugs the whole glass mm-hmm. um, and as she's starting to go into this like drug-addled haze that she's basically passing out, um, and she does make it known that, like, it is drugged the fuck up. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. it hence it working so quickly. Um, she, like, mutters to herself, like, I live a meaningless life. And Lily says to her in response, like, kind of like a limp, you're a great friend. Um, but then the line that I really want to call attention to is Amanda, before she passes out, is, I'm a skilled imitator. Mm-hmm. And... I think it's very safe to say that you very easily could transpose that line onto Lily. It's like you said, sh- there are a lot of instances in this where it feels like she's imitating Amanda. Mm-hmm. When, like, like, like when the momentum really starts to build and the plan really starts to come together, it kind of feels like Amanda's actually kind of leading the charge, but Lily's kind of borrowing techniques from her. Yeah. Um. So we have a situation where I'm pretty sure this is meant to kind of demonstrate to the audience that like lily has kind of been learning from amanda like Mm -hmm. they've been rubbing off on each other but in particular lily has been the sponge of the two because amanda's a truthful honest person uh, kind of a fucked up person but she's at the very least she's honest whereas lily seems to kind of be more amorphous and kind of adjust to her situation and definitely act on impulse (laughs) yes um Anyway, I just wanted to put that out there, but uh, we get this really long shot of Amanda passed out on the couch, and uh, Lily kind of like panicking for just a second, but then she hops too, and uh, the camera very slowly zooms in on Amanda on the couch, and there's a stairwell in the background, like over her head. Um, Lily darts into the background. We hear like shuffling around the kitchen. And then we see her very small in the background, and again the camera's still zooming in. This this shot is several minutes long, um, and then we see Lily streak by in the background and head up the stairs um, with a knife, and then the ergometer just drops out of the soundtrack, and a whole like a whole minute passes, like a very long time. Um, There's a clatter. But yeah, the, the camera continues to zoom in on Amanda, uh, and then Lily appears in the frame again. And uh, she just kind of stands in front of Amanda, and we can see she's wearing rubber gloves with blood all over. like All, all over, bo- over, yeah. Yeah, all over her body, all over her hands. Um, and she just stands over Amanda for a minute. Um, and then she abruptly, like, lays down on the couch and wraps herself up in Amanda's arm for a minute. Yeah. Um, and then there's a white noise and a cut to black. Um, oh, yeah, by, by the way, she did exactly what she said she was going to do. She did rub the knife all over Amanda's hand and put it in there and everything. Um, then, yeah, we cut to black. And then we come back to Anton Yelchin's face, uh, like, tightly framed, and uh, his hair is combed to some extent. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he's smoking outside, look and he's wearing a vest, a red vest, which suggests he's a valet. Yeah. Um, like, he's a valet parker at a restaurant of some sort. <laughs> and uh, a car pulls up behind him and out comes lily again dressed dressed the fuck up and uh she announces her presence and they have a little exchange here um he gives like a, a sorry for your loss uh, alluding to yes mark is in fact dead yeah and uh, she says oh yeah like my family and i we're getting we're getting through it and uh she hands him her keys Mid conversation, so it's like it's kind of like a establishing dominance kind of thing. Where it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, we're having a friendly conversation here, but you, oh, he's you, afraid. Like he, yeah. you can tell no, from he's his terrified. body language. He's <laughs> like,
1: oh, like she went through with it. Like he knows what happened.
0: Yeah, and uh, even even the way the the blocking is arranged, they they never are within arms reach of each other. <laughs> like, um, but uh, she she thanks him for not showing up. Yeah, um she says I think it was good for me or something like good for Amanda. Um and then she does mention that Amanda wrote her a letter. And um Kyle, what did you make of this whole sequence here? So
1: apparently um Amanda's at Arkham Asylum. Uh she she's <laughs> she looks like she's in a, um a place for like um it's a, it's a mental institution of some kind. And she's I guess um reading her letter in her head basically of what she wrote to Lily. So, yeah, she wrote me a letter. And um, I guess that she told, like, Lily told Amanda what she was going to do. And I feel like Amanda roofing herself was kind of, like, giving her the nod to, like, go ahead. Like, oh, this was almost like for her cry, cry for help. Like, maybe she felt like she needed help and was going to agree to go along with it. Because during the process of her being, like, um, I guess arrested or whatever, she just was like, yeah, I just blacked out. Like, she could have tried to say, like, yeah, she framed me. Like, she said she was going to do it. But she doesn't do that for whatever reason. doesn't matter. But, yeah, I guess she's doing well. And you can see that she's really skilled while she's in the mental institution. Like, her painting is really good. Um, Like, her, she's, like, knitting. And she's, like, she's killing on the knitting. And she's, like, I'm actually really enjoying myself here. Like, it feels good. I guess she's getting a lot of sleep. Um, But we get to her room, and she's got this this really big picture and it's of her and amanda when they're when they're kids at least we assume it is and it's old and looks like it's been folded up like it was a very big portrait and she's got it up on the wall and this is the first we get a shot of her looking at it and it's a really genuine smile like a like a, a smirk like she's like i have a friend like like a friendly smile yeah and uh I'm like, oh, that's kind of strange, okay. And then we cut back to uh, um, uh, to uh, Lily talking to Anton. And he's just like, so what did she say in the letter? And Lily says, I don't know. I threw it away. And that was that's like the end of the movie is that. And I'm like, damn. That was fucking brutal.
0: It was cold as ice. Cold as
1: ice. <laughs> that would have been funny if they finished it
0: with that. Yeah, <laughs> that would yeah, that'd be a good ending. <laughs> a
1: little on the nose, but yeah, that would have been funny.
0: Be better than that bad guy song or whatever. Um, it's that Billie Eilish song. Um, anyway, it's, a that, bad that's bad how guy, a Kyle's doing a Billie Eilish impression, and it's very accurate. As far as I understand
1: because I asked her, "She's like, who the hell is this chick?" I'm like, well, what's going on? And I found why one is she so sad? <laughs> <And> I <I'm> like, <laughs> like, like listened to the song. Went, like, oh, she's just it's just garbage. Okay, gotcha.
0: <laughs> I haven't listened to the the new James Bond track that she did.
1: They let her do a James Bond song?
0: Yeah, uh, she did the uh, No Time to Die, the new James Bond theme song. Oh, my god! I don't actually... I haven't listened to it yet, but I'm, I'll am listen to it. Like, I'm curious. I, yeah. I don't really know her. I've listened to her twice, and not by my not by choice. Um, we once, couldn't um, get
1: Janelle Monae, maybe, to do it, or anybody else? Like, somebody who's talented?
0: I mean, she's British, James Bond. You know.
1: She's British? And I she, thought she was
0: just regular American white girl. I'm almost positive she's a, she is British. Oh, I do not
1: want to Google her, but I'm going to.
0: Yeah, your, your phone's going to feed you all sorts of teenage oh, horse shit. I hate that shit. Oh, she's <laughs> American. Um, Billie Eilish. She's, Amer- yeah, she's American. American? Yeah, she's got like
1: American. Yeah, she's got like a mom that's like a, a producer or something like that, or an actress. Yeah.
0: No. Oh. oh, well, never mind then. Yeah. Well, I mean, she did clean up at the Grammys or whatever, so. Really? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, but yeah, that was uh, that was thoroughbreds. Um, you know, like, I don't see myself going back to rewatch this unless, no. I, no. unless I need to like share it with somebody. Um, but I, I think this is a good movie. Like, it I, I, good. I I thought it was a well-constructed film. Like, it was a lot of fun to run back through it. Like, cause like like. Like if you listen to this whole episode you'll notice that like both Kyle and I were like having some revelations from time mm-hmm. to time. Like, oh huh, that, that has a bit more to it than I thought. Um, so it's something you can chew on, which I always appreciate with a movie. And yeah, there's there's not a bad element to it. There's just like undeveloped elements, I guess. Like mm-hmm. things I would have liked more of. Um, one thing you didn't mention about uh, Amanda's like the little episode in the like the Arkham Asylum (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, one thing you didn't mention is that she she mentions that she has a recurring dream yeah um, that felt like maybe one too just one sentence too many in that whole spiel basically her recurring dream is that like the world falls into disarray due to everybody like being obsessed with their smartphones and then uh, the world is reclaimed by horses who are happy because um they're all like thoroughbred horses but they're not aware of their value because there's no humans to slap that label on them mm-hmm. which I'm sure there's a lot of commentary embedded in, in all that but it, it comes it's too hurried and it comes too late where it's like I don't know what you're trying to tell me because like that that little exchange with Mark in the kitchen that that said a lot like mm-hmm. that, that that cut deep that meant something to me personally but this was like it just felt like the, the rambling thoughts of a teenager where it's like, you know, there, there's something there, but it's it's not refined and it doesn't really mean anything in context. Yeah. It just, it's, it's just like, you know, coffee talk. <laughs> just lacking depth, I guess. Um, but yeah, uh, this was interesting. Um, it's funny because this, uh, this director, Corey Finley, um, he doesn't even have a Wikipedia entry. Um, it, I was kind of shocked. That's really rare, but... Uh, um, I think he has another movie coming out soon. Um, in fact, I'm gonna look it up here. It came out in uh,
1: 2019. It's Bad Education. Um, I've got it on my list of things to watch. I'm. It's it's done from what I can uh, understand, but it might not be. It might not have been released yet.
0: Release is April twenty fifth of twenty twenty. There we go. So yeah, f- completed but not released. Um, starring Hugh Jackman. Yeah. Uh, right. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean just based on the quality of this film, I would check it out.
1: Oh, for sure. And it's got Allison Janney in it, who I really like. Oh, and it's got Alex Wolf.
0: Oh. <laughs> He's back. And yeah. yeah, Allison Janney is just wonderful. Um, she she stands out in any cast, and not just because mm-hmm. she's a tall lady. <laughs> um, but uh yeah, this was this was interesting. It's not it's not the strongest directorial debut we've had in the past few years, but it's definitely something that's like it's noteworthy. Yeah, I'll, I'll keep my eye on this guy until he disappoints me. <laughs> Inevitably. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, I don't know what we're going to be doing for the rest of this month, but um, it sounds like the theme we're going with is uh, recently deceased actors. Mm-hmm. Um, so are we are we trying to do the most, like the last film for these people, or just a movie that no, is worth seeing? because
1: for Philip Seymour Hoffman, there's one in particular I want you to watch, uh, Before the Devil Knows You're Dead. Um, I've told you about this movie a few times, and I'm really excited to revisit it. It's my favorite Philip Seymour Hoffman performance that I've seen, personally. Um, It's his ability to be... He can be a bad guy, or he can be a good guy, or he can just be a piece of shit, and this is his piece of shittiest uh, performance, in
0: my opinion. I think it's great. So this is his uh, Simon Birch character? (laughs) Dialed up to 11 or something? This is
1: his uh, Mission Impossible character, dialed I'm, out. Gonna hurt her. <laughs> I'm gonna find her and I'm gonna hurt her. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman it needs to be said is maybe the, maybe the reason we did. Mm-hmm. We're we're doing, uh, moving on March. Anton Yelchin for sure was a big part of it. But then like in the same line of thinking, it's like, Hoffman. <laughs> <Like, laughs> Philip Seymour Hoffman. That is Rob. That, there,
1: there's guy. a. There's a real, Robin Williams, uh, a, a recent, probably the most recent of uh, Robin Williams films I'd like to check out as well.
0: I don't even have to know what it is, just out of curiosity, I would, mm-hmm. I would watch it. It might be terrible, but just out of curiosity, I'd like to know what it is, just so we can put a, a period on that, mm-hmm. on that whole, that man's life. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, Anyway, uh, thanks for joining us, and uh, tune in next time for more Moving on March at Catch